Okay, good evening, everybody. Welcome back to Exploring the Lord of the Rings. This is Corey Olson, the Tolkien Professor, and this is session number 167 of Exploring the Lord of the Rings, an only episode about... <laughs> you know, 4,000 or so, it seems, on the Council of Elrond. Uh, but tonight, we are going to get Gandalf off that tower. That's the plan. Uh, and uh, we'll see. Of course, I'm teasing Peter Jackson in my title. Uh, it seems a little hard, given how little Radagast has to do in the actual published story, that you go and replace him with an insect, you know, for one of his major, possibly his most significant contribution to the entire story. Um, but, um, yeah, so my title is Radagast uh, is Greater Than Moth, uh, Mad Violinist. That's the title. Um, but, um, anyway, so, you know, that's... Uh, but, you know, at the same time, I can't blame Peter Jackson. I can blame Peter Jackson for bringing the stupid moth back in the Hobbit films. That was ridiculous. But the first time, it's kind of cool. I will admit it's kind of cool. Uh, you know, I can certainly understand the desire relatively early in the first film to foreground Gandalf's awesomeness and the whole, like, you know, uh, with bird on bow and beast in den and their own secret tongues he spoke thing, uh, you know, to kind of emphasize that, you know, with Gandalf catching the moth and whispering to it and stuff. Like, it's kind of cool. I'm not going to lie. That's kind of cool. Um, but still, come on, Radagast. Let's give Radagast his... Uh, uh, let's give Radagast his day or his other day here. And frankly, it's a better day. The first time we see him when he actually has lines, which is something to say for him, um, is, um, uh, but nevertheless, that's when he's being used as a stooge in, uh, uh, in a deception. And here, of course, he is through his own faithfulness, uh, saving the day. He doesn't realize he's saving the day, but he's saving the day. And that seems, um, uh, and that seems, um, perfectly, uh, like, a, a, an excellent idea here. Okay, so, but let's dive straight back into the text. We're going straight in today, because today I have an ambitious goal. I have an ambitious goal today. My goal today is to do two slides. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Two slides today. That's the goal. Okay. At first I feared, as Saruman no doubt intended, that Radagast had also fallen. Yet I had caught no hint of anything wrong in his voice or in his eye at our meeting. If I had, I should never have gone to Isengard, or I should have gone more warily. So Saruman guessed, and he had concealed his mind and deceived his messenger. It would have been useless in any case to try and win over the honest Radagast to treachery. He sought me in good faith, and so persuaded me. That was the undoing of Saruman's plot, for Radagast knew no reason why he should not do as I asked, and he rode away towards Mirkwood, where he had many friends of old. And the eagles of the mountains went far and wide, and they saw many things, the gathering of wolves, and the mustering of orcs, and the nine riders going hither and thither in the lands. And they heard news of the escape of Gollum, and they sent a messenger to bring these tidings to me. Okay. Um, yeah, that's an interesting question. Oh, sorry, I missed... I saw the question, but I missed the name uh, there on Twitter. Uh, it is an interesting expression. Also... I'm glad that you pointed that out, because I have for a lot of my life 
used that, and I wasn't sure why. Uh, that is, uh, to try and win over, rather than to try to win over. That's something that I had, like, composition teachers trying to correct for a long time. Though, like, you don't try and something, you try to do something. Um, and, um, uh, but that's not, in fact, the expression that he uses. Uh, it would be useless, it would have been useless in any case to try and win over uh, the honest Radagast. Um, yeah, so uh, I don't think mad violinist that try in this case means to test. I, I think it, it just means to attempt. Um, but I see what you mean. Having those as parallels in any case to like to test and to win over in parallel, right? Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, it is an interesting idea, uh, but yeah, I doubt it. Um, uh, I doubt it. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, I, I'm not sure kind of the... Oh, that was you. Oh, Wolfhound, right. Okay, great. Um, uh, I. Um, it is a little bit... It, it is a little bit odd. Uh, that seems to me... Somewhat um, idiomatic, uh, I guess. Um, yeah, I, I think it might be a regional thing. Fourth Dauntless. Um, yeah. Hmm. But it's to try and. It's it's not just as a way, um, ardent crayon of doing sort of parallel uh, verbs, but actually as uh, specifically as an idiomatic construction with to try. Um, instead of saying to try to do something, to try and do something. Um, that, it, that's a, it's, it's not just a question of parallelism. It's a, that's a regular construction. Um, there, there are a number of... I, I read Tolkien a lot when I was a kid. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> and there were a lot of, like, words that entered my vocabulary that, like, I didn't realize were unusual or archaic. Um, and I had all the way down through, I remember I got corrected in my dissertation at one point uh, for using a Tolkienism that I totally was taking for granted. Um, I, 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 I fought for it. Uh, and that was using the word forebode uh, as a transitive verb. Like, you know, he, you know. Uh, he forebodes here that, you know, this is going to happen. And they're like, yeah, you can't use the word forebode that way. And I'm like, oh, yes, you can. <laughs> but anyway, um, but um, yeah, JJ says, so Yoda was wrong, apparently. You can try and do at the same time. See, there you go. Um, <laughs> anyway. Um, okay, so Fourth Dauntless says that Miriam, according to Merriam-Webster, uh, this is a common British construction, uh, but it's unusual in America. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, well, again, and doesn't surprise me that I, that I fell into it early in life. Um, I wonder how often... Could somebody look it up? Just somebody look up the phrase to try and in The Lord of the Rings. I'm just interested to see if it comes up in other places. Um I, um, I'm, uh, I'd be interested to see if there's a pattern there, but, um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, 
I, I, I certainly don't think that this is like, a, like it's deeply significant that Gandalf uses this construction. It's just it's funny that Wolfhound mentioned it and just kind of flagged it as something a little bit unusual. Um, and uh, it just sort of uh, I'm just kind of thinking about it and notice and realizing that I, I've been using that that expression a lot of my life. Um, um, yeah. Anyway, okay, yeah. So somebody, um, somebody, somebody looked that up. You get ten instances. Okay, yeah. So that it's just it is just a common idiom there, right? Which again, also, again, also clearly emphasizes that um, you know Gandalf is not. Uh, it doesn't suggest any kind of like odd uh, sort of oratorical mode or anything uh, by Gandalf at this point. Okay. That, that was that, that would have been my guess, Ron. I would have guessed that there would have been uh, a bunch of... I couldn't think of any others off the top of my head, but um, uh, but I would have guessed that there were others. Anyway, okay. Well, so <laughs> having started with a very fine point of usage and syntax, uh, <laughs> let's go let's back up to the... And that's a good way, I think. That's an excellent start to a two-slide uh, session, I think. Um, but... Um, uh, and oh, it's I don't didn't remember that JJ. Oh, thanks for finding that. Um, uh, JJ found that it's uh, Tolkien refers to this expression in the um, uh, in the some of his wrestlings with the Houghton Mifflin. Uh, folks. So, you know, famously, of course, when Houghton Mifflin, the American publishers, got the license to publish The Hobbit, he f- they tried to correct dwarves to dwarfs all the way through The Hobbit, uh, and also to um, um, uh, correct his spelling of nasturtiums, um, and um, uh, and to correct, of course, uh, Tolkien, what Tolkien was even more offended by than he was dwarfs, uh, to change elven with a V-E-N to Elfin with an F-I-N, which, yeah, I th- could would have driven Tolkien right off the twig. Um, but I did not remember, J.J., that this was in there uh, to try to say, try to, right, they, 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 to try and say to try to say. So this is one of the things that the Houghton Mifflin folks tried to correct uh, as non-standard usage, non-standard American usage in any case. Um Interesting. Okay, cool. Thanks, JJ, for finding that. I did. I remembered the elfin thing, and I remembered the dwarf thing. Of course, that's the most famous one. Um, but um, but that is interesting. I did not realize that this made that list. Cool, cool. Um, they tried and failed. Yes, yes. After many fights at Mad Violinist, this is one of the things I have to admit. I get really I like sentimental about this. When I published my Hobbit book with Houghton Mifflin. I got to fight with their proofreaders too. I felt so nostalgic. I, I almost sent them a thank you note. I'm like, thank you for like screwing up my manuscript so that I could write you a letter explaining why you need to change back all the changes that you made because it's like, you know, making me missed up right now that I have to do that. Um, uh, and of course, the, the, what they were trying to change in, in my book was I was deliberately following, in my text, when I was discussing, I was deliberately following Tolkien's usage. So ironically, they were trying to change some of the very kinds of things that they were changing in Tolkien's manuscript. Again, it was like they had a second crack at it, right, <laughs> in my book. And I was like, you know, hey, no, like I'm trying to use... So this especially came up all the time. They were trying to correct... Um, 
the capitalizations. This was a big issue. Um, uh, when I, I was trying, I was, I was, you know, when he used capital E for elf, I was using capital E for elf. And uh, when he would hyphenate a phrase, I would hyphenate a phrase when I referred to it. Um, and um, uh, <laughs> anyway, they, so they went through my whole manuscript and changed all those things. And I'm like, no, let's fight. This is awesome. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm not saying it's an intrinsically entertaining part of the publication process for Thoughtless, but, um, but in this particular case, right. And even if it had been a different press, I wouldn't have been as pleased, but just, uh, uh, savoring the, the sort of delightful parallel of it. Uh, I, I felt, I felt very happy. Um, I mean, obviously the proofreaders in question, I mean, like Tolkien's proofreaders were obviously, uh, long since dead and in their graves, but I like to think that it was like their grandchildren or something, you know, who were still around giving me a hard time in 2012 or 2011, I guess was when these conversations would have been happening. Um, but, uh, okay. Interesting. Zephan says it looks like every other instance is in dialogue as would be expected. Yeah. Yeah. I agree that that would be, and that's one way in which perhaps it is relevant here that it's a little bit more characteristic of, uh, spoken dialect. I wonder, I wonder somebody look up, somebody look up to try to, and see if that does appear anywhere. Like, I wonder, Zephan, your comment is making me wonder, um, uh, if, uh, if the narrator ever uses it another way or if, or if it's like purely a spoken idiom, um, what I mean by that is, uh, so like for instance, uh, contractions, right? Um, very often like a character in dialogue will, might use contractions, like especially Sam, of course, uh, where the narrator probably would not, um, Emily, I don't remember off the top of my head why he insisted on nasturtion with an N. Um, I, I remember reading it, but I, I don't remember it anymore. Um, needless to say, like he has some philological explanation of like, I mean, because you challenge Tolkien on the spelling of a word, right? Like, hmm, you're using a strange spelling of this word and you are just like asking for trouble. Like you are literally asking for a long lecture on, you know, <laughs> like the, the, the etymology of the word and the various ways in which the various points at which and reasons for which these other modern usages entered and everything. And he's going to have a reason. Um, but, um, ah, interesting. Mad violinist found one. He would try to trap the fly and take the sting. Um, yeah, that, and that is a very different occasion, right? That is a very, um, much less formal. Uh, I mean, you'd think that the Council of Elrond is formal, but not in the middle of the narrative like this. In the middle of the narrative, yeah, elevated discourse. Mad violinist, I agree. That's why I'm, I'm that's why in my head I'm kind of associating that usage to try and um, associate it with like the use of contractions. Like there's nothing wrong with the use of contractions, nothing incorrect about the use of contractions, but in certain circumstances, you generally wouldn't wouldn't do it. Um, yeah. And, uh, JJ in particular, it's not just with the use of try or trying, but the, the infinitive form to try to is, is specifically cause that's, it's, um, uh, that's, that's the, where I, where I think it's most conspicuous. It would, it would be relevant elsewhere too. Um, but, um, 
Yeah, see, like, exactly, Mad Violinist. If you say, uh, when you say, I tried to take the ring from Frodo, um, you would never say, and there. You know, like, I tried and I, I tried and took the ring from Frodo. I mean, Boromir's not from Texas, you know? Um, but, um, uh, but in the infinitive form, right? Like if somebody said, hey, Boromir, are you going to try and take the ring from Frodo? Right. That's the, the situation in which this usage would come in. Um, ah, JJ found another. Interesting. I'm afraid we shall have to try to get one pony at least. Interesting. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Emily does sound like he's fixing to take the ring from Frodo. <laughs> That's exactly what it sounds like. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. Yes. Um, I'm afraid we shall have to try to get one pony at least. That's really interesting. Because that's Aragorn, of course, in Brie. And, um, you know, that, uh, that strikes me. Now, maybe I'm reading this wrong. This is my interpretation of the usage variation. But to try to sounds more formal, sort of stiffer, right? And Aragorn's a little stiff. We have to admit, Aragorn's a little stiff in those, uh, uh, in those, uh, I don't know. I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, but the two infinitives in a row kit is exactly the instance, right? I mean, this is too. In any case, to try and win, to try to win over the honest Radagast is technically, I mean, that's what that expression really is. Um, Okay. Okay, right. JJ's got one from the narrator. It was useless to try to escape over the long, uncertain path from the ford to the edge of Rivendell. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, Angrest, it is a natural drop in the second two. But again, my, the fact, the inconsistency that we're seeing... Um, this is really cool. I never, I never, never noticed any of this before. Um, now I want to. Now, I, now I want to look at all the instances. Right now, now we need an analysis. Somebody, all right, all right. Okay, here's what we need: homework, homework time. Now I want to see it. I want all of the instances of again to try. It's got to be to try. Right. I want to. I, I want to stick with the infinitive. Um, to try. And then with the twos and the ands, I want to see the instances of both. Okay, I want to see the sentences. So I want I want the instance. I want I want every sentence in which each one of those expressions is used during the Lord of the Rings. Let's be consistent. We won't include the Hobbit, um, where apparently it it occurs because the proofreaders objected. Um, but in the Lord of the Rings, um, okay, yeah. So I want to I want to see I want to see each one. Um, uh, yeah, I, I I want to see each one, and then I want to, and then we'll 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 take and look, we'll take and look next time, uh, maybe, uh, um, at the beginning of class, uh, and we'll see if we can see some patterns here because this is we're we're I think we're onto something here. When it, when I thought at the beginning that it was just like oh well that's a British expression versus an American expression, then you know I thought it was like just a very modestly. Interesting, but if Tolkien is shifting back and forth like this, um, I rarely believe 
that Tolkien is simply being inconsistent. I mean, I'm not saying Tolkien is never inconsistent, but with word usage and stuff like this, like, not often, not often. He is very, very careful about this kind of thing. Um, he said, I forget in which of his letters he said it, but that, like, you know, he said, uh, you know, The Lord of the Rings is about, like, a million words long, and, you know, I went through and carefully considered each one of them uh, multiple times, and I believe him. I, I believe. And, of course, when Tolkien says he considers each word, you know, that means a little more to him, just given his academic specialty, than it would have meant if I'd said that same thing. Um, but, um, uh, anyway, um, I am, uh, I, um, yeah. So, okay. Um, yeah, exactly, GDC. It's kind of his whole thing. Exactly. So, um so if he is occasionally, um, uh, if he is occasionally using the one and then the other, I, I, I think there's got to be a pattern there. I, th I think there's got to be a choice that in some instances he's using two and in others he's using and. So I, I think I, I, I think we're on the cusp of a discovery here, right? This is publishable material. I bet you nobody has ever noticed this before. Um, I think we've I think we're discovering a brand new thing. Uh, I'm not saying it's necessarily a big thing or of earth shattering importance, but it's new. Um, uh, I suspect I suspect maybe there's a paper out there on to try to versus to try and in the Lord of the Rings. But I'll be a little surprised if there is. OK, anyway, whew. Awesome. What a great first observation. Haven't even gotten to the content of the first paragraph yet. That was spectacular, Wolfhound. Thank you. Um, um, and yes, Wolfhound, I agree. The fact, the very fact that he fought the publishers over it uh, in The Hobbit does suggest that he cared. Um, uh, and again, at first I thought it was just that he cared because he was like, you know, I ain't going to talk like no Yankee, right? You know, that he, he, he objected to having his, his language, his, his, you know, his word choices Americanized, which he would. I mean, I don't doubt that. Um, but, um, but, but yeah, I, I, the fact that he does use that, uh, not only once, but on multiple occasions in the Lord of the Rings, uh, certainly suggests that there's, uh, there's, there's, there's a good deal more to it than that. Um, so yeah, cool, cool. Um, yeah. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. So we'll come back to that. We need more data before we can draw any real conclusions about that. Um, so we'll come back to that when we have data. All right. So Back to the top. As first, at first I feared, as Saruman no doubt intended, that Radagast had also fallen. Yet I had caught no hint of anything wrong in his voice or in his eye at our meeting. If I had, I should never have gone to Isengard, or I should have gone more warily. So Saruman guessed, and he had concealed his mind and deceived his messenger. Now, we already talked to some extent about this. Um, uh, in... Um, uh, in the sense that um, uh, we we had um, we had talked about the possibility of Saruman using Radagast as a kind of uh, um, test case, right, to test his deception on Radagast. Um, uh, yeah, but um, Interesting. Turambar says, Radagast the Simple uh, seems on the mark. Gandalf trusts that he can see right through him. 
Yeah, I, I was thinking about that angle on it, Turambar. Um, Gandalf's confidence, right? I had caught no hint of anything wrong in his voice or in his eye at our meeting. Another th- uh, thing I'd add to that, Turambar, is Gandalf seems to have been looking, right? I mean, he, he, he seems to have... Uh, he doesn't say, you know, and it hadn't even occurred to me to consider that Radagast had been lying to me. Right. Um, no, he's like, I didn't, you know, I was paying attention and I didn't notice anything. Um, uh, and it is, I mean, you're right that it's only in retrospect that Gandalf uh, notes this. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that the, I don't think it's quite right, Turambar, to take that as Gandalf's confidence that he would surely have seen through Radagast. He's kind of marveling Right. He's marveling that, um, you know, how could Radagast have deceived me? Like, I, I can't believe Radagast deceived me. I, had, I caught no hint of anything. Right. He's he's got a lot of time in his hands right up on top of the tower and he's been reliving it a lot. Right. And so as he's been going over that, he's, you know, in retrospect, as Fourth Dauntless says, um, thinking it through and saying, I, you know, I, I can't I, I still can't. Um, even in retrospect, even with hindsight, detect anything wrong in his voice or eye at our meeting. Um, if I had detected it at the time, I would never have gone to Isengard or I should have gone more warily. Um, now, um, uh, yeah, so he has had plenty of time to look for that deception, Aranas, I agree. Um, but, um, but I also think you know, as we were discussing and, and who, um, um, yeah, Turambar, as you were a- adding, simple isn't necessarily a bad thing, right? Um, th- that I think is one reason why he might believe that he should, like, or certainly at least why he feels like, in retrospect, he should have been able to detect it if Radagast had been lying to him. Because Radagast is not a liar, Right, Radagast is is the simple. Um, uh, you know, Saruman thinks that's a bad thing, but that is not necessarily a bad thing. Um, there is a simplicity to Radagast, and the kind of simplicity uh, that would lead him uh, that would lead him not to um, not to to hide things like this. And and he knows him from his earlier dealings with him. Gandalf knows Radagast from his earlier dealings with him that he is simple in this way. He's straightforward. He's not gonna be duplicitous. Uh, being simple is way better than being duplicitous, right? Those two words are almost opposite of each other, um, almost opposites for each other. Um, and uh, and GDC, you're right. Gandalf is usually good at reading people. Um, uh, GDC is pointing to his um, his reading Bilbo, right? Both uh, on on number of occasions, right? GDC, I mean, from uh, like his uh, being able to tell that Bilbo was not telling the truth, right? Badgering Bilbo until he got the truth of the Ring story, uh, to um, uh, his suspicions about Bilbo, even before he pushed things to the point where they got really intense, um, you know, on the night of the party when he was leaving. Um, and um, and he does, and I, I agree that he, he detects something wrong straight off, 
uh, with Saruman. It's pretty early on in the conversation. Indeed, it's as soon as he comes in through the gate. Um, even though there is no, he doesn't, he isn't like, and then I smelled a whiff of smoke, which, you know, kind of smelled suspicious or, you know, and then, um, you know, like I thought I glimpsed, an, you know, an orc out of the corner of my eye. I mean, there's nothing concrete. He just has, it just, it, the, the whole thing feels wrong to him, feels off to him. Um, uh, but, um, yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Anyway, um, so that's. Um, but yeah, I, so I do think that he's pretty good at reading people, and I do think that Radagast's simplicity um, is. Um, uh, I do think that Radagast's simplicity is something that Gandalf would have would essentially trust in. Right now, I agree, Sam. If Radagast had cooperated with Saruman, uh, one would think that Saruman would have been a little less insulting when referring to him. Sure, yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, he's really throwing his stooge under the bus, right? If uh, if not, um, he had just the wit to play the part I set him. Um, although, but Sam, you also have to admit that that line is a little bit suggestive, right? Well, especially if you're sitting up on top of a tower with nothing to do but, like, think over your horrible situation for, like, quite a long time, days or weeks. How long was he up there again, by the way? Somebody check the calendars for me. Um, how long is Gandalf up on top of the tower? I forget off the top of my head. Um, I like to review the dates because I um, I know I... Sh- I well... There's a good reason that I don't read The Lord of the Rings with one finger, you know, tucked into Appendix B, and that's because I'm listening to the audiobook, so that's a lot harder. Um, uh, several months. Yeah, yeah, two months. Right, right, exactly. It's um, um, a long time, a long time that he's up on the, uh, he's up on the roof, and... Um, so yeah, you know, during that time you're 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 going to dissect all this stuff, right? You're going to you're going to be going over this. Um but I absolutely think that um uh he his so I mean would Saruman um would Saruman talk like that about him? Yeah, I mean Saruman might talk like that about him in his arrogance. Um but um yeah, yeah. Um Yeah, maybe praise. Um Interesting. Wolfhound is uh, saying that Gandalf and Radagast both operating in good faith gives Providence a chance to intervene a bit. Well, it certainly does have that result, right? Um, It certainly does. And it's interesting, of course, if you think about it that way. He sought me in good faith and so persuaded me. And Wolfhound, you're right to add the important bit about Gandalf's good faith as well, right? Um, It was Gandalf... Gandalf went to Saruman in good... You know, he... Gandalf doesn't emphasize this, right? But he goes to Saruman in good faith. And if he hadn't, he wouldn't have said to uh, to Radagast what he did, right? Had he been... Um, you know, he was going in a spirit of honest collaboration, assuming that they or her they were, all three of the Astari... All three of the Astari that have been created yet, at least all all three of the Astari in the Western world, right, um, are um, are here all working together as a team. So let's work together as a team. So yeah, so you know, you Radagast, um, 
talk to all the birds and beasts that are your friends. You're great at collecting information in this way. And send all the news that you can get to Gandalf and Saruman at Orthanc. Right? So, um, you know, his the collaboration that he sets out is a plan for collaboration among the three wizards, which is... I can't help but flash forward to Gandalf's words later on, right? Um, he is Saruman as he should have been. That's what Saruman should have been doing all along, right? Saruman should have been sending messengers to Radagast saying, Hey, Radagast, you're great at collecting information because of all your very useful bird and beast friends, right? So, um, uh, so please... Talk to your bird and beast friends and find out all the information that you can and send it to Gandalf and Saruman at Orthanc, right, so that we can figure out what to do together here. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, um, yeah, Lupili is asking, how did Saruman get his own bird spies? Um, we don't know. We don't know the mechanism. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it seems to be different, but it's interesting, Lupilia, in that way. One of the th- first thing that comes to mind there is, uh, he's Saruman of many colors, right? Um, he's, um, he's, he's, he's doing Radagast's job for him instead of collaborating with Radagast, right? He is, um, uh, he's, you know, Radagast the bird tamer, Pfft. Right. Not because, you know, he's, you know, piffing at bird taming in general, because Lupilia, as you point out, he did it. Right. He tamed birds himself. Um, he's using the Krabine, uh as spies. Um, but it's just, like Radagast is nothing but a bird tamer. That's obviously where the uh, issue comes in. Right. Um, and yeah, there is a throwback to The Hobbit, Matt. You're right. Um, uh they're crows rather than ravens, uh, and uh, the crows are, of course, um, very uh, ill-behaved birds, right? Who speak very rudely, apparently, as Balin informs us. Um, but uh, Brandon, you're right. Uh, as a resplendent, many-colored uh, wizard. Um, uh, you know, Corvids would be attracted, right? He'd be he'd be a sparkly object, um, but uh, I doubt that's the actual mechanism he uses. But yes, um, uh, but now praise. But that's a really interesting follow up argument. He doesn't take on much of the gray role uh, since he stays in one place. Yes, yeah. I mean, you know, it's interesting praise. I mean, you know, you could maybe argue. Again, we don't have too much, especially, of course, we don't really have any information at all about what it means to be blue. But, um, uh, but he, um, but as far as we can see him taking on some of Radagast's role in the bird taming, um, but we don't see him, you know, we see Gandalf trespassing onto his domain, which he legitimately is, right, in his investigation into the Ring of Power. Um, we see, uh, uh, Saruman doing some of Radagast's job, right, in his bird taming, um, but we don't see either of the other two things. We don't see Gandalf really taking over Radagast's job, um, uh, nor do we see, um, uh, nor do we see Saruman doing Gandalf's job, which, you know, you'd think maybe it'd have been better off if he had. 
Um, yeah, yeah. Or I guess actually, yeah, I was just going to say, Turambar, I was just thinking the same thing. There is the pipeweed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could say that by his cultivating friends in the Shire, Saruman is, in a sense. But if he is, he's doing it wrong, <laughs> right? He is not doing it well at all. Um, and it's an interesting kind of parody, right? I mean, you think about the the relationship that Gandalf has established with the Shire Hobbits and compare it to the relationship that Saruman establishes with the Shire Hobbits. Um, I, you know, that I think is... Um, um, is really interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, that's not, that's not, that's, he's doing it wrong, right? That is not what being the gray, clearly. Whatever being the gray is, and it's not 100% clear what that is, it certainly doesn't seem to be that. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, 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 I agree, I agree uh, that that is maybe the point, that Saruman's attempts to take on others' roles are wrong-headed and doomed to failure. Um, yeah, yeah, and not just because, like, he was bad at it, right? But because, uh, exactly to emphasize the word that you used there, Bjorn Sonner, uh, wrong-headed, right? He's doing it for the wrong reasons. He's doing it for the wrong reasons, and therefore in the wrong way, right? Um, both his means and his ends are bad. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, he's doing it wrong could have been the title of the treason of Isengard. Uh, yeah, yeah, it could, it could. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, JJ, I do suspect, I do suspect that, um, his relationship, Saruman's relationship with the birds, um, is similarly, um, uh, corrupt, Similarly exploitative, GDC is the, the word that you use about his relationship with the Shire. Yeah, I, I would even say even more than exploitative, corrupting, right? I mean, he was actually actively corrupting um, Lotho Sackville Baggins. Um, uh, and, um, and I suspect had um, a pretty bad effect on the Kerbine of Dunland. I don't think they were morally improved by uh, entering Saruman's service. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, those are really interesting thoughts. Um, so Saruman guessed, and he had concealed his mind and deceived his messenger. So Saruman is playing a pretty deep game, right? He deceives Radagast in order to deceive Gandalf. Um, he, too, suspects that Gandalf... Gandalf suspects that he would have detected, or at least is berating himself that he should have detected uh, Radagast if Radagast were lying, and Saruman also anticipates that Gandalf is going to do that as well. Um... Yeah, yeah. Um, that was the undoing of Saruman's plot, for Radagast knew no reason why he should not do as I asked, and he rode away towards Mirkwood, where he had many friends of old. And the eagles of the mountains went far and wide, and they saw many things, the gathering of wolves, and the mustering of orcs, and the nine riders going hither and thither in the lands. And they heard news of the escape of Gollum, and they sent a messenger to bring these tidings to me. Um, okay. 
Um, now that's interesting. Matt is saying there's a similar uh, sort of contest or, or parallel or kind of anti-parallel uh, uh, between uh, Gandalf and Saruman with the struggle over Theoden. Gandalf inspiring uh, while Saruman, you know, deflates him. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, JJ, this is where Gandalf reveals he's already heard of Gollum's escape. Yes. Um, JJ, I feel like I had something to say about that. But now I can't remember it. Or no, I can remember what it was. I just can't remember why I thought it. I can't reconstruct my thinking. And what I was thinking was that I found it hard to believe. Yeah, this is what I... Yeah, see, Emily, exactly. I think he's fibbing, too. Yes. Em, okay, that, that was it. Thank you, Emily, for reminding me. I knew I had a reason. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Um, Gandalf's response is, well, well, he's gone. Right? Um, uh, anybody may have a part to play yet. Um, now, that's not impossible. It's not impossible that that's consistent with him ha knowing it already. Right? That he was... He came in preparing to, uh, you know, preparing for the news, you know, the revelation of the news that Gollum has escaped, uh, escaped, and uh, and so he's got that as a sort of a prepared speech. Um, I find it a little um, harder to believe, um, but it's not impossible. I mean, the more I think about it, it's not impossible. If he had known in advance, he's not the one, of course, who responds in shock. It's Aragorn, right, who has the reaction that clearly demonstrates he had not heard that news before. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, Sam, I think he would have told Aragorn. He has had a couple days. Um, but, you know, <laughs> maybe it hasn't come up yet. Um uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's possible. It's possible. I, I, I can, I can, uh, yeah, JJ says Aragorn was busy preparing for his date. I was going to say, you know, I, I couldn't blame Aragorn if he's got other things on his mind, you know, when he gets back to Rivendell for the first time in who knows how long. Uh, I mean, this is the first time he's seen Arwen in years. Right, uh, I don't think he's seen her since they met at Karen Emroth in 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 Lothlorien. Um, she's just recently returned uh, from Lothlorien. Um, no, wait, that was before she had recently returned. Um, but still, I, I don't think there's any reason to think that he's seen her in quite some time. So yeah, anyway, like it's it's uh, you know they, they they've been away. They've been away. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, was he hanging out the "Do Not Disturb" sign, Dan? I don't know. Maybe he was. I, I don't know. Um, uh, all I know is that I don't think we need an intimacy coordinator for this. I'm just saying. I, I think we could do without that. Uh, we could manage this scene without that. Um, but, um, 
Yeah, and uh, Mad Violinist, I do agree that I, if I were Gandalf, I could imagine putting off that conversation that started like that. And Mad Violinist says, hey, Aragorn, you know all that work you've been doing for the last several years and that horrible journey you just undertook at my behest? Yeah, that, remember that solo journey that uh, you look back upon with such loathing? Uh, uh, all the work you did to drag? Yeah, uh, so um, he escaped. I, I could imagine Gandalf not being the, wanting to be the one who sprung that on Aragorn, right? Um, oh, good, Legolas is here. Yeah, I'll, I'll just let him mention that. Um, besides which, let's give him a, let's give him a couple of days with his girlfriend, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so um, uh, now, hang on. Somebody was asking. Uh, so, Flam, for hang on, we're going to get to the writers in a minute. Um, but um, uh, who was asking? Uh, oh, Turambar. Uh Did we talk about why it would be useless to try and win over Radagast? No, we talked about the syntax, but not the sentence itself so much. Um, I think that Gandalf's faith in Radagast is both uh, kind of touching and kind of instructive. Um, uh, touching in that he, I mean, he, 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 he has full confidence in Radagast, right? There's, you know, when he really thinks about it, he does not think that it is, um, he does not think that it is likely at all that, um, uh, that Radagast would, um, be won over to treachery. Not only just won over to Saruman's side, right? But because Radagast's treachery, would have to be extreme, right? Not just, I'm willing to go along with Saruman under pressure, right? Not just, okay, maybe Sauron's going to win and maybe, you know, maybe I'll subscribe to your whole ends versus means rationale here, Saruman, right? Even if Radagast had gone that far, for him to then go a step further and say... I'm going to conspire with Saruman in order to ensnare and entrap Gandalf. That's a, 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 an additional personal betrayal of Gandalf, I mean, um, really on top of all of the rest of it. And I think that that's, that seems to me unlikely. Um, I can easily see why Gandalf... I mean, it's, it's, it's going really far, right? That, that's, uh, he would have to be very, very deep in uh, Saruman's power. Uh, for Saruman to have uh, to have convinced him of that, um, and Matt, I agree. Uh, Matt says a lot of people have a high opinion of Radagast, uh, such as such as Bjorn. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I agree. Um, I agree. Um, so, um, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, okay. Um, I wonder if that's one of the things that Gandalf is thinking when he mentions, when he uses the word treachery there, right? Uh, to win over the honest Radagast to treachery. I mean, for him to be a willing tool um, to be the bait, essentially, in the trap uh, that he knows Saruman to be setting for Gandalf's destruction, that's, um, that's a big ask as they would say, uh, and uh, certainly seems very unlikely that Radagast would do that. Um, Radagast, however, uh, was deceived himself rather than being traitorous. 
He knew no reason why he should not do as I asked, and he rode away towards Markwood, where he had many friends of old. That expression always struck me as a little bit strange. Like, I think the way that that phrase... So, one is, I am tempted to read... I'm always tempted to read that phrase, where he had many friends of old. I'm always tempted to kind of paraphrase that in my head, where he used to have a lot of friends. It's like, but doesn't he still... Doesn't he still... What happened? Did they have a falling out? <laughs> right? I mean, does, has, he, has he lost all of his old friends, you know, uh, you know like Gollum did? Um, I, I, don't, I don't think that that's... I think that what that means uh, is, uh, you know, where he had many friends of old. Like, where of old he has had uh, many friends. Um, uh yeah, we don't know exactly how long Radagast has been away from Ross Goble, mad violinist, but Gandalf's comment that he was never a traveler, <clears throat> Radagast doesn't suggest that he's turned over a new leaf, right? Oh, yeah, you know, I, I, you know, I, I, I abandoned Ross Goble a century ago, Gandalf. Like, that's not, um, that's not, you know, that's not him. Um, when Gandalf says you were never a traveler, his response, which is just Nazgul, right, um, suggests he's, he's, the implication to me is that he's like, yeah, I know, but it's an emergency because Nazgul, right? Um, uh, so, um, yeah, yeah. So exactly, Praise. I think it is, I think the emphasis is that um, uh, he's, um, uh, he's, he has a lot of old friends there, exactly praise, that he has um, really deep connections in the community, right, in Mirkwood. Um, and that's where he goes right away. Like, he doesn't, he doesn't go to his new friends, right, if he's made new friends along the way. Um, uh, he's, um, yeah. So, Kurtzimus. <laughs> okay. All right, hang on a second, Kurtzimus. We'll come back to that in a second. Um, but, um, yeah, so, um, he's returning to his center of power, right? He's, re he's returning to his networks there, um, in Mirkwood. And what happens? The eagles of the mountains go far and wide. Um, he's got good friends, right? Radagast has, has pull in Mirkwood. Um, he, he goes right to the top, right? He goes to the Eagles of the Mountains. Um, and someone was pointing out earlier, like, isn't Gwaihir the Windlord a, uh, um, a rather, you know, a, a rather exalted position to be sent out as a messenger? Oh, yes. Absolutely yes. Um, this is a big deal. Capital B, capital D, this is a big deal that the Eagles of the Mountains go far and wide. Remember, they don't go very far and wide. Remember how uh, they're, um, like, they'll go a little bit far, but not very wide when uh, when they're taking the dwarves. Like, after they, you know, they're like, we were happy to rescue from the, you from the goblins, right, and cheat them of their fun, but, you know, we're not going to fly that far for dwarves. Um, but for Radagast? For Radagast, uh, they will go both far and wide um, out of friendship, right? Um, he has many friends of old, which apparently include um, the Eagles of the Mountains. Um, and um, 
Now, you're right that Guayhir also has a special relationship with Gandalf Kurtzimus, but um, there are two things that we learn about this, right? And it, this is really interesting. The, the kind of the history of this relationship is sort of fascinating, right? Because on the one hand, we learn in The Hobbit. So the, in The Hobbit, the eagles are, Gandalf is friends with the eagles because he once helped their lord heal an arrow wound, right? So, okay. Um, that exp- but that explains it in Hobbit terms, right? I mean, in turn, the terms of the Hobbit. Um, that is those kind. I mean, there's it, it's like a, a it's like a touch of Androcles and the lion, right? I mean, it's 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 a it's a it's a fairy tale explanation. There's no deep history, and that's largely because it's the Hobbit, right? And in the Hobbit, the eagles are not the eagles. Right? I mean, they're giant birds. They're predator birds. They're not, like, totally admirable. They're just ginormous eagles that can talk. Just like the spiders are giant spiders that can talk, and there are giant wolves that can... Well, not giant, but they're reasonably large wolves that can talk. And um, it's... Um, it's. I mean, uh, Morinitar asks, is the eagle lord from the Hobbit Gwai here? I would think yes. In, like, retroactively. Yes, but in the Hobbit, no, no. In the Hobbit, they're just birds and not super. I mean, they they normally are just like predator scavenger birds who, in fact, are perfectly happy to steal sheep from the farmers, you know, who uh, and herdsmen who live next to the forest. Um, um, they're not they're not noble birds. We're told the narrator tells us this, right? Um, but um, but they're friends with Gandalf because he helped them again, like Androcles and the lion, right? The 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 story about the guy who helped the wounded lion. Um, uh, but um, but yeah, as Karita points out, even coin purses can talk. So the mere fact that they speak doesn't really tell you that much about them. Um, but I think but by the time we get to the Lord of the Rings, by the time indeed we get here, this if I'm not mistaken, is our very first reference to the Eagles of the Mountains in The Lord of the Rings, right? I don't think we've had any, I don't think there were any other references earlier on, like in Chapter 2 or anything, talking about backstory. I don't think so. I think it's the first reference to the Eagles um, in The Lord of the Rings. Um, And notice they're already the Eagles of the Mountains, capital E, capital M, right? Um, they're, they're, They're a big deal. Right, they're a big deal, and we're going to learn more about that. So he's going to take, he's going to build on the old kind of fairy tale, like, oh, you once had an arrow wound, and I happened across you, and you know, was able to save you, and so now you're my friend, you large and fearsome bird, you. Um, but, um, but praise. When did the connection between birds and Manway enter the legendarium? Day one. Day one. Um, one of the primary servants of Manway was Thorondor, when, back when he was originally named Sorondor with an S um, in the Book of Lost Tales. So, yeah, uh, day one, day one, Manway was associated with the eagles. Um, but, um, um, but, see, Kurtzimus, that's the thing. In The Hobbit, who dared to put an, eagle, an arrow in an eagle and how? A random farmer with a random bow, because they're just giant birds. Um, uh, they're just giant birds. Um, uh, yeah, probably someone with a bow of you, which is exactly what the eagles say. Yeah, they would shoot at us with their bows of you. Um, yes, exactly. Um, but again, you just you can't 
you can't read The Hobbit with an assumption of continuity because it was not written with continuity in mind. But it now, but looking back the other direction is perfectly fair. Um, so, um, uh, yeah. Anyway, so I, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Gilgo Lady is uh, 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 liking the pun. Uh, you know, you've got the stealing of the sheep and the bows of you, you know, yeah. The you pun, it's it's pretty good. Anyway, um, uh, ah, the eagle. Okay, there is the brief glimpse of the eagle in the dream. Okay, brief glimpse of the eagle in the dream. Um, but doesn't he just see like wings or something? I mean, it's not. He doesn't refer to him as like, and it was like one of the eagles or something like that. It's it's fairly, it's just a glimpse, as I recall. Um, yeah, but, um, um, ah, uh, yeah, praise, we'll get there, we'll get there, we'll get there when we get that, we haven't gotten that word yet, but when we do, we'll, we'll definitely do that, um, but, um, okay, all right, so, um, the Eagles of the Mountains, capital E, capital M, it's a big deal, right, so, Radagast's friendship, he has friends in high places, right, um, and, they are, and it shows both how seriously Radagast is taking this request, um, that he's gonna, you know, call in a favor from the Eagles in the Mountains, and it shows that the Eagles of the Mountains also take this request very seriously. Um, um, yeah, yeah. Oh, there it is. Okay, thank you, JJ. JJ gave me the passage. The figure lifted his arms, and a light flashed from the staff that he wielded. A mighty eagle swept down and bore him away. Okay, so we do get a reference to a mighty eagle, uh, uh, lowercase e, but that's all we get. Okay, good. So that one flash in the dream is all we get. Um, okay. Uh, lost my train of thought, though. Okay, Eagles of the Mountains. So, yeah. One more. We'll talk about the eagles more. We'll we'll get more eagles. Um, uh, for now, let's content ourselves with the observation that what Radagast does in fulfillment of his promise to Gandalf, or in response, I should say, to Gandalf's request, as we don't hear him make a promise, um, is uh, that he's gonna um, he's gonna call in favors from friends, and those friends are, in fact, the Eagles of the Mountain. Uh, we'll come back to, um, um, we'll come back to, uh, um, we'll come back to more about the Eagles and Gandalf and Gwaihir and stuff. We'll have time when we actually get to him, uh, Gwaihir, that is, uh, in a little bit. Um, Okay, he does say, I will do that. There you go. Good, Mad Violent. Right, so he did. That's sort of a promise, right? Um, he did say he would. Okay. They saw many things. The gathering of wolves, the mustering of orcs, and the nine riders going hither and thither in the lands. And they heard news of the escape of Gollum. Um, and they sent a messenger to bring these tidings to me. Now, now, Flamifer, I want to uh, get back to the question of the nine riders. And they're going hither and thither in the land. Um, that's that's the phrase. It's the that the nine ride that they spotted the nine riders. 
is not surprising. Or actually, maybe it's a little bit surprising since presumably the majority of the hithering and dithering that the Nine Riders are doing uh, is at night, um, which you would think would be hard to spot by Eagle. Um, But nevertheless, the Eagles do see uh, at the very least clear evidence of the going hither and thither of the Nine Riders. Um, And... um, Yes, Brandon, I agree with you. Uh, Brandon Minnick says the Nine Riders going hither and thither really implies they don't know where they're going when they're looking for the Shire. That is absolutely the conclusion I draw from that, too. I think that shows really clearly that the Black Riders are not... They're not just, like, pounding up the Greenway, right, straight towards the Shire. Um, they, um, they're, they don't know where they're going. They're going all through the lands. Right. Um, uh, yeah. Trifle, I don't know what the Black Riders do during the day. Uh, camping, hiding under a rock. Um, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, they must rest their horses sometimes, right? Or else the horses would be dead. Uh, and they are real horses, as uh, Aragorn insists. So these are not wraith horses. Um, so, um, uh, yeah, I think... Um, oh, yeah, and so, Ron, I'm not suggesting they're going aimlessly. Um, but the... Um, but the hither and thither... Um, the hither and thither definitely does suggest to me, like, multiple directions that they're going... They're, they're sort of wandering around. Again, not aimlessly, um, but they don't know where their destination is, right? They are hunting um, uh, for the Shire. They're not... Um, uh, they're not traveling to the Shire. Um, and that by itself, um, exactly, not aimlessly, just fruitlessly, exactly. Um, and that by itself, I wonder, could, uh, would be news. Of course, Gandalf doesn't receive the news till he's already been rescued, right? But, um, which would, I think, have given Gandalf some comfort, right? Because you'll remember that he said that his fear was, you know, premised on the on the power of Sauron, um, which is still less than fear makes it. Um, remember his very first thought. His very first thought when he heard that the Nazgul were come, right? That the Nazgul had left Mordor, or you know, left, left Minas Morgul anyway, um, and were come uh, into the north to hunt for the ring. Um, He's immediately imagining meeting the Witch King with all the other eight Nazgul with him. Um, he's imagining pretty much a worst-case scenario, right? Oh, my gosh, the all nine Nazgul all together are going to come like straight for the Shire uh, and knock on the door of Bag End, and I'm not going to be able to defend Frodo um, if they do that. That's kind of where his mind goes right away. But as the event proves, it's it's not he's up there... If those dates, uh, then I forget who it was who gave them to me, but if those dates that you gave me are correct, he's up there for two months. Two months on top of the tower. I mean, just imagine two months of worrying about what the Nazgul... The Nazgul have a two-month head start on him um, to get to the Shire. Um, And, you know, maybe so, like, what, like the first um, few days, he's like, well, okay, maybe, you know, if I can... If I can think of something and somehow get out of this, maybe I can still be in time to warn Frodo. By the time that three weeks have passed, 
four weeks have passed, six weeks have passed, eight weeks have passed. He's got to be thinking like, yeah, there's no, if there was hope before, there's no hope now, right? There's no way that the Nazgul could not, would not have found the Shire already. And yet both his hope and his fear cheated him. Um, the unreliability of Butterbur being perhaps the more predictable of the two. Um, but, um, uh, but yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, Flamifer, I'm, I don't know what to do with some of Tolkien's retcons. You're right. There are multiple retcons. Um, and they're and they are contradictory. Uh, he came up with different versions, and it's not clear like what he was settling on there. Um, that tells me, Flamifer, that section, unfinished tales, of course, is what Flamifer is referring to. In unfinished tales, in the section of unfinished tales called "The Hunt for the Ring." Um, Christopher gives us a bunch of Tolkien speculations about the um, uh, motions, you know, the movements, rather, of the Nazgul. And what I would emphasize here is, first of all, like general comment, Unfinished Tales is a really uneven work. A really uneven work. And Christopher tries to, you know caution about this in his introduction. But Christopher's introductions are a little bit boring, and a lot of people don't read them. <laughs> so I don't know. But anyway, what he says um, uh, what he says in the um, um, uh, in the introduction is that <clears throat> these stories are all unfinished, but they're not all unfinished in the same to the same extent or even in the same way. Um, there are some stories which, like, he starts and just breaks off and it's unfinished for that reason, like the terrible, horrible, tragic, unfinishing, uh, unfinished state of Tuor and the uh, and uh, you know, the, the, the longer, later Tuor story. Um, that's the one that's unfinished just in the sense that it breaks off. There are other things um, that um, that simply means... Where un we're calling them unfinished simply means like Tolkien was like he had a bunch of ideas about this and never finished resolving on what the story really was. Right. And there, you know, you're getting a lot of really interesting information, but it's hard to draw conclusions from it because it's quite possible, even quite likely that Tolkien would have ended up chucking every single one of those theories out the window, right? So you can't really kind of rest on any one of those things. Um, uh, yeah, you can't, you can't ever really rest on any one of those things as a, um, uh, you know, a, even like a definitive what if, right? Just like that Tolkien played with this particular way of kind of resolving the sequence. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, there we go. Frumius Bujum does point out that we are told that the Lord of the Eagles could see a rabbit moving on the ground a mile below, even in the moonlight. So I guess if the moon's out, Frumius Bujum, that they, they, he could still spot 
the Nazgul going hither and thither uh, in, uh, uh, and of course, hither and thither just means here and there, like this way and that way, right? Um, so yes, that's why as I see people referring to the come hither look, right? That means to come this way when you're trying to attract someone to you, as opposed to the go thither look, which is to try to repel people away. Um, I would strongly recommend, by the way, to anyone who does try to apply in any situation a come hither look, that you arm yourself with a substantial quantity of go thither as well. In fact, really... It's a prerequisite, I would say. You want to first work on your go thither, then you can try to develop your come hither. Just a little advice uh, I would give, but um, but anyway, yeah. So that's that's what those words mean. Um, yeah. Um, okay. So Brandon says, when did the Nazgul first encounter a hobbit so that they might know uh, what one looked like and that they didn't look like Gollum? Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, um, I mean, I, 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 when did they meet one? Um, Bree, maybe? Um, I mean, that's the first time they probably would have gotten a chance to see one. Um, all they would have known was that they're halflings. Um, and yeah, it's JJ, I agree. JJ says, would they even see in that sense? No, I mean, they don't, they don't need a... Uh, uh, you know, a uh, you know, a, a policeman sketch of 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 you know, but I, I doubt that in Mordor, you know, they had a, a sketch artist interviewing Gollum, right, to make a, a composite sketch of Bilbo. Like, I, I doubt that that's how they equipped them, right? Um, they, might, they have, what I could see, right, is the Nazgul interviewing Gollum and being like, "Tell us more about how he smelled," right? Um, but um, yeah, and and yeah, and and Musical, you're right. They don't know that Gollum is related to hobbits. Apart from Gollum's stature, there's uh, there's no other obvious evidence, and G- and Gandalf is the one who's figured that out. Um, yeah, Evil Doctor Cannon was also thinking that it's more use more relevant for them to know what hobbits smell like. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> Bjarne Sonar, you know, it seems to me like it would be a good comedy sketch, really, right? To for Gollum to be g- trying to be giving a description of Bilbo, right, and then a and then a, like a police sketch artist drawing, uh, trying to draw from uh, from Gollum's uh, description, I, I, and then showing the picture at the end. Actually, that kind of sounds like it sounds like a a really funny comedy sketch. Actually, come to think of it, um, but um, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Um, so, yeah. Um, <laughs> Frumius Bujum is imagining at the end of the interview saying, and, and he's invisible. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. Well, I guess that makes the sketching a lot easier, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. Yep. Um, Exactly. Exactly. Right. Right. Praise. Exactly. They have to show the black horses the police sketch. That's that's totally what they'd have to do. Um, <laughs> yes. For the last time, I don't know how to draw Trixie. Yeah. yeah that's it. That's it. Um, but uh, so uh, Tekelvik, no, Gollum never did journey to the Shire. Um, he was probably setting out for the Shire, but took a, dire- a disastrous side trip by Mordor um, and never got there. Um, he did make it as far as Dale, and so learned about the Shire. He was where he would have heard the name, uh, but uh, but yeah, 
Um, so, um, okay. Um, but again, the point is the Black Riders not being efficient. Hither and thither clearly suggests to me that they are not being, you know, that they're, they're wandering about in their search. Again, when Gandalf does finally get this, I think that that news would give him hope. Um, and one of the reasons why he's like, get, find me a way. What is the fastest way in which I can make a beeline for the north? Because maybe if they're going hither and thither, maybe there's an outside chance that I can get there first. And he almost does. Right? He almost does. Um, uh, yeah. Okay. Um, I think that's it. Slide two! Because we're early tonight. We're so early. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Um, so it was that when summer waned, there came a night of moon, and Gwaihir the Windlord, swiftest of the great eagles, capital G, capital E, came unlooked for to Orthunk, and he found me standing on the pinnacle. Then I spoke to him, and he bore me away before Saruman was aware. I was far from Isengard, ere the wolves and orcs issued from the gate to pursue me. "'How far can you bear me?' I said to Gwaihir. "'Many leagues,' said he, "'but not to the ends of the earth. I was sent to bear tidings, not burdens. Then I must have a steed on land,' I said, "'and a steed surpassingly swift, for I have never had such need of haste before. "'Then I will bear you to Edoras, where the lord of Rohan sits in his halls,' he said, "'for that is not very far off.' And I was glad." For in the Rittermark of Rohan, the Rohirrim, the horse lords dwell, and there are no horses like those that are bred in that great vale between the Misty Mountains and the White. Are the men of Rohan still to be trusted, do you think? I, I said to Gwaihir, for the treason of Saruman had shaken my faith. They pay a tribute of horses, he answered, and send many yearly to Mordor, or so it is said. But they are not yet under the yoke. But if Saruman has become evil, as you say, then their doom cannot long cannot be long delayed. Okay. Um, all right. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, Karita says, sent to bear tidings, not burdens, is funny. Are eagles funny? I, I think, yeah. I, Wolfhound was just saying the same thing, Karita. It sounds a little snarky, doesn't it? Um, many leagues, but not to the ends of the earth, right? I mean, okay, right? Like, uh, um can we can we guess a middle range here? Uh, how close to the edge of the earth are you willing to go? In fact, um, yeah, yeah. Um, and musical, yeah, I agree. The Eagles in the Hobbit are a bit funny too. Um, uh, you know, uh, like the one who says that Bilbo looks rather like a rabbit, right? Yeah, I mean, I I I agree. The Eagles um, definitely. Have a sense of humor. Um, uh, absolutely. Um, <laughs> yeah, Mad Violinist, I agree. If you're an eagle of Manway, the ends of the earth means something a little different. Uh, yeah, agreed. Agreed. Um, uh, yes. Um, good, right. Yeah, no, Turambar, I think it's what well, it could mean one of three things, right? The ends of the earth could mean a poetic description for a very long way, it could mean to the coast. Right. Or it could mean, you know, uh, to the edge of the outer night. So, you know, like uh, that's um, um, there's 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 some options here. Um, exactly. Um, OK. So 
Let's see. Yeah, so we'll get to the tributes question. We'll get to the tributes question. Um, wow, lots of lots of comments and questions here. Um, does Guai here actually speak the common tongue, or is Gandalf speaking eagle tongue? Um, well, okay, again, you can't judge by the hobbits, because everybody speaks the common tongue, except wargs, apparently. Spiders, yes. Wargs, no. Um, wargs, that doesn't mean, by the way, that wargs are lesser. They're cooler, because they have their own language, right? Which, of course, in Tolkien's world, means you're cool, right? Um, but anyway, never mind. We're not talking about the hobbit. Um... Okay. Um, uh, I I think it's um I do think so yeah on that on that note could the eagles travel the straight road? I'm going with yes, but I. And, and is that what he means? Right? Not to the end of the world. I can't take you to Valinor if that's what you mean. Right? I, I got I got stuff to do. Um yeah, yeah. Um yeah. Okay. Um All right. Let's start at the beginning. When summer waned, there came a night of moon. By the way, what a what an understated way for Gandalf to allude to how very long he has been up on that roof, right? Um, so it was that when summer waned, the entire summer he has been you know, from mid from just after midsummer. However, it is between midsummer's day, which is when he set off, and uh, and and you know he took some time to to get down there to Orthanc. Um, but uh, it's now come to the waning of summer. Um, there came a night of moon, and Gwaihir the Windlord, swiftest of the great eagles, came unlooked for to Orthanc, and he found me standing on the pinnacle. Um, okay. Okay, praise. Now we can talk about how cool the title The Windlord is, right? Um, and there is... Um, there is no question in my the the title the wind lord of course like intrinsically cool right i mean that that is an awesome awesome title no question um the wind lord is fantastic but um it's also um pretty sending some sending some pretty clear signals um I think, right? I mean, it's um, it has a few different potential obvious meanings, right? On the one hand, it means that he is, uh, it, it is like king, right? The king of the like the king who flies in the sky, right? Is one sort of potential meaning of wind lord, right? It's just like it's that's just kind of the title that eagle kings use because you know if you're an eagle lord, that's what you're going to be called. Um, it also suggests that he's extremely fast, right? You know, that he's, uh, uh, he is the lord of the winds in this sense, right? That he's as fast as the winds. Um, right. Kurtzimit says he wonders if Gwai here is just the fastest. He is the fastest. Gandalf acknowledges that he's the fastest. Um, you know, he says to Gwai here at Mount Doom, right? He's like, you know, con- you know, 
you come and like the the second and third fastest uh, of the other eagles and uh, and let's go. Um, uh, but um, um, so that's another obvious like his speed. You know, acknowledging his speed is another reason for it. But but yet, yeah, Sam, I agree. I mean, uh, Sam says I can't help but hear it as emissary of Manway. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's um, yes. Yes, uh, it is possible. You know, Torumbar is asking, do I think Guayhir actually has some power over the wind? Can't rule it out. Can't rule it out. Um, wind Lord in that in that sense. Right. Yeah, exactly. Valori says he's implies that he's master of the wind rather than merely a rider of air currents. Um, yes, yes. Um, I, I think that that's very, um, uh, very possible. Right. Um, but um but but yeah, the connection to Manway. I mean, it um, it's hard. It's hard to avoid if you know the legendarium at all. It's hard to avoid, right? And and again, the way that he uses the phrase "great eagles," swiftest of the great eagles here, right? Um, he's the swiftest of the great. He's not just a big eagle, right? He's not just one of the one of the eagles of the, you know, um, this is, he's one of the great eagles, capital G, capital E. This is a different species. Now, we don't know what um, that means exactly, right? We don't, I mean, if you've read the Silmarillion, you will know about Thorondor and the other great eagles. You will have known about the race of great eagles, um, you know, that... Um, uh, that lives in, um, uh, you know, that originally lived, well, depending on which version you're reading, but probably uh, in the published Silmarillion anyway, live up around Gondolin, um, that it's those are the great eagles that we're talking about. It is that race of eagles. Um, and it's it's very clear. They're the Mayaris of the birds at the very least, at the very least. Um, but... Um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so um, that Tolkien is invoking that here seems to me very clear. The meaning of the, like what exactly he's invoking would not be very clear to a people who had never had the Silmarillion published, right? So, I mean, if all you knew was The Hobbit, you'd recognize the eagles. Um, but I think he's already recontextualizing them here. Um, the eagles of the mountains... What he said before, okay, that recalls them um, from the Hobbit, right? The, so we've read the Hobbit. We'll remember the great the eagles of the mountains, right? But why here the Wind Lord, swiftest of the great eagles? We're in a slightly different place, and again, especially. Um, uh, and I agree. Michael Tobias says it feels like for a first time reader, the effect is how it conveys sovereignty. Um, yes, yeah, uh, a, a very different quality of majesty, Michael, uh, than we see certainly in The Hobbit, right? Um, uh, certainly in The Hobbit. Um, so, and that's the only context we have as readers, right? Again, if we know the Silmarillion, we know the greater context, and we have reason to believe that, um, we have reason to believe that 
this is one of the great eagles that these he is this is one of the um the species of eagles who are the mes- the emissaries of manway um in middle earth um so yeah absolutely um and this then brings us to his relationship with gandalf um he found me standing on the pinnacle um he bore me away before saruman was aware and then the the wolves and orcs issue from the gate to pursue him. Why does he do that? Well, what else can he do, right? I mean, he's just kind of... I mean, it's too late, right? He knows it's too late. Gandalf is gone, and he's not going to catch him again. Um, but he has to do something, right? I mean, this is... Without Gandalf, he has no prisoner. <clears throat> he has no prisoner. Um, he has... He failed to get any clear lead on the ring. He just, um, um, this was his move. This was his big move all along. Um, and he's blown it. He's blown it, right? I mean, so what can he do? Really low odds of catching Gandalf flying away on the eagle with orcs and wolves, but what else has he got? Nothing. He's got nothing else. Um, yeah. Um, Dolores Stroke says, is this a James Bond villain situation? Why not kill um, why not kill Gandalf? We talked about this before. On the front end, it makes sense. He is his only lead, right? I mean, the the crucial thing. Saruman only wins, and he knows this. He only wins if he gets the ring. And Gandalf is his only lead, his only and best lead on the ring and the location of the ring. So to kill him out of hand right away... Now, like, with hindsight, if he knew that Gandalf was going to escape, if he just kept him indefinitely, then... I mean, and by the way, the fact that he kept him for two months shows he wasn't wrong to believe that he could hold Gandalf prisoner indefinitely. I mean, two months is kind of indefinite, right? Uh, Gandalf was plainly not escaping under his own power. Um, So he wasn't wrong. Saruman wasn't wrong to think that he could keep him indefinitely. Um, He just didn't predict e- giant eagle, right? Um, so, um, uh, maybe, maybe Tekelvik, yeah, Tekelvik says, did Saruman know there was an eagle? Um, <clears throat> or only that Gandalf had vanished from the roof? He may hope that Gandalf managed to climb down and sneak out and can be tracked and caught. Maybe, maybe. Um, maybe. Maybe. Um, can anyone kill Gandalf? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, Gandalf's very killable. Very killable. Um, Gandalf's killable, pretty sure, by all normal means. Um, uh, you can kill Gandalf in any number. You can kill him with the lead pipe. You can kill him with the with the revolver. No, like, seriously, you can kill Gandalf. Um, they're... Um, uh, right, the problem making him stay dead. I agree. That's a different issue, right? You know, how do you prevent the resurrection? That's the real question. I mean, you know, who saw that coming? But, um, but yeah, killing him, no problem. I mean, he almost died in the Hobbit. Um, Gandalf is he believes he is going to die in the Wolf Ring. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, unless you're a Balrog, well, I mean, you know. Gandalf's got a shot at killing you too, right? You know, I'm not saying he's going down easy. I'm just saying he's killable. 
Um, you know, that's all. Um, yeah. So, um, hmm. Okay. 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 Um, couple things here. Um, yeah. Uh, Glorfinthalian says, uh, presumably he would not have been against using torture. Yeah. We talked about this some couple episodes ago. Um, yeah, I, 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 he is, he is, he is, um, he doesn't have to use thumb screws. Um, he is torturing Gandalf right now. He's been for two months. Um, absolutely. Um, but, um, it's true if he's killed his spirit would return to Mandos and spill the beans Gandalf's spirit would kill spill the beans yeah but I mean seriously are those beans unspilled right thou art don't know what's going on um uh Saruman pulling the wool over the eyes the collective eyes of Valinor here I doubt it I doubt it they're not stepping in like they don't step in. You know, they're not just going to step in and stump him. They don't play like that, right? I mean, he's making his choice. They can do that. The wizards can do that, right? They were given mortal forms. They were incarnate in mortal bodies. They they, they can make their own choices. And if they make bad choices, there are going to be consequences for those choices, as Saruman will learn, right? But, um, um, but I don't think the Valar are going to swoop in. Um... Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Um, so let's see. Um, let's see. Yeah, Gatorana says it makes one wonder if Aule is busy explaining why yet another of his followers has gone to the dark side. Hey, like, it's being a sub creator, there's real risk, right? I mean, with great power comes great responsibility, man. Um, it's true. All the bad guys are, you know, sub-creators. Like, it's, it's you know, Aule's is a dangerous job. It is. It is. Um, I mean, it's a great job, too. I mean, there's, there's no accident that the greatest, uh, and simultaneously those who fall furthest, right, are, uh, are in that category. Um, but, um, anyway, okay. So, um, where was I? So the wolves and orcs, did they know, did they see him? Um, the word pursue is the thing that gets me there. Um, issued from the gate to pursue me, not hunt for me, right? Not search for me. But pursue me. That's the thing that leads me to to believe that he was spotted. Um, that somebody sees Gandalf and Guayhir flying away, and Saruman is like, "What?" And you know, quick, you know, chase after him, because you know he doesn't know. Maybe he knows that Guayhir is unlikely to take him to the ends of the earth. Maybe he's like, "Well, you know, how far to the Carrick from here?" You know, like if 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 the eagle's pattern is just to take him a little ways off and drop him. They could still get him in the wilderness, right? Uh, you know, maybe. But again, it's. I mean, it, yeah. Is 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 sending out orcs and wolves from the gates to chase after him, kind of a hail mary on uh, on on Saruman's part? Yeah, it is. 
Not that that's an appropriate metaphor to use under the circumstances. Uh, but yeah, it's, 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 it's a desperation move. It's a desperation move. Um, yeah. Yeah, Trifle, that's a good point. If Frodo's dream is accurate, Gandalf gives Gwai here a landing beacon, right? He, the, the light from his staff, which Frodo sees in his dream. Uh, someone would presumably have seen that. Yeah, and Saruman might have been aware of it. Um, Gandalf might have written, Gandalf is here in letters that everybody could read, you know, to the uh, mouths of, of, of Anduin when he did that, right? Calling down, uh, calling down Gwai here. So uh, Saruman could well have bolted up from whatever he was, you know, doing in his study or laboratory, um, uh, you know, at the time, um, as soon as Gandalf did that uh, and, you know, dashed outside. Um, but, um, yeah, yeah. Um, so he does bear him away before Saruman is aware. Yeah, so Saruman doesn't catch him on the roof. Um, uh, but that doesn't mean they don't, but that doesn't mean, Ron, that they don't see him flying, that he doesn't see him flying away, right? Um, and therefore pursue him uh, with the wolves and orcs. Again, I think it's desperate. I don't think he does expect to, I mean, but he knows. It's his only hope, right? Really low percentage chance that those orcs and wolves are going to come back with Gandalf again. But um, but what else can he do? Nothing, right? He's got nothing else he can possibly do. Um, okay. Um, uh, yeah, Gwai here might have seen the orcs outside and assumed Saruman was under siege. I'm sure he did see the orcs outside, and he may well have assumed that Saruman was under siege. Um Oh, you're saying that Saruman didn't notice the landing beacon. Yeah, well, again, my suggestion there is if Gandalf does seem to suggest that other people can detect when he uses, when he puts forth power, right? He says that in the in the Pass of Karathras. So I am assuming that, again, I'm imagining Saruman is downstairs reading a book or, or you know, training orc, half-orc children or whatever it is that he's doing, right? And um, he's in the middle of some, you know, hideous, horrible thing that he's doing, whatever it is that day, on his agenda. And all of a sudden, like, Gandalf puts forth his power and his staff. And, you know, so I'm imagining Saruman being like, what? You know, what's going on up there? Right? And then maybe he runs to a window or something, right? And sees the eagle flying away with Gandalf. Um, So that would still fit to me the description of... um, he bore me away before Saruman was aware, right? Saruman was not aware of what was happening before Gwaihir and Gandalf were off the roof, right, and away. Um, but then he would still see him and chase and send orcs and wolves after him. Um, reading books to orc children? Maybe. Maybe literacy classes for all of the, um, uh, for all of the goblin boys and girls, right? Not the, not the boy and girl orcs, uh, but the the boy and girl goblins, but the goblin boys and girls, um, yeah, something like that. Um, okay, yeah, we'll get to the we'll get to we'll get to Guayhir's intel on Rohan, um, maybe we might save that for next time. But anyway, okay, yeah, in fact we will. Um, we'll do that next time. But tonight, let's finish up with the let's go back to the ends of the earth. <laughs> that seems a good place to end. Um, he says, how far can you bear me? Many leagues, but not to the ends of the earth. I was sent to bear tidings, not burdens. The snark, I agree with the snark. Eagles, I, eagles do seem to be funny. Um, but, um, uh, 
the thing that I would point out here, the thing that I would emphasize, Gwaihir <clears throat> and Gandalf's relationships, Gwaihir and Gandalf's relationship, I should say, um, is has not progressed, right? This is going to be... The, we are going to get a marked contrast to this statement, right? Do you remember what Gwaihir says to Gandalf at the Black Gate, right? At the Black Gate, when Gandalf is being super polite and saying... You know, I, you know, twice have you borne me, my friend, and may the third time, you know, he has this long preamble, like, would you mind awfully carrying me again, right? Um, and Gwaihir's response at the Black Gate is, I would bear you whithersoever you will, even if you were made of stone, right? Um, no limitations, right? Ends of the earth, you got it, right? Name it, and I'll take you there. Um, I'm asking to remember ahead, <laughs> Anchorist, right? Remember ahead to that, right? That's not what we get from Gwaihir here. That's not what Gwaihir gives Gandalf. I mean, again, you'd think, in some, in some ways, you'd think, like, hey, dude, like, um, uh, emergency, can I, uh, you know, call in every favor I've got left? Can we, you know, take it up with Radagast later? He'll tell you this is important. Um, I, um, I, 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 I really, really need a fast ride to the Shire. Like, you know, global emergency, uh, end of the world coming. Um, you know, if you, um, let's please, please just take me to the Shire. It's not all that far. Right. I mean, okay, it's kind of far, but like you're an eagle, you're going to handle it. Right. We can take it in stages. It's okay. Um, um, yeah, yeah. I agree it's Gandalf the White asking later on. I agree. Um, but that's my point. Uh, in part, that's my point. Um, Gwaihir and Gandalf are on different footings then. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, exactly, Brandon, the tidings are the things that he observed. Like, all the, like the, the tidings that he's come to send is like, yeah, I came to tell you, like, uh, you know, um, hither and... Uh, Gollum escaped, um, Black Riders going hither and thither, uh, you know, that's the news, right? Um, that's, um, that's, his, that's his mission, and he's headed back. Headed back to the Eagles, headed back to Radagast. Um, like, I'm not... It's not okay. You can't just hijack me as a steed. Gandalf, right? That's, that's, that's not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to do it, right? I'm not going to do it. Um, so, um, interesting, interesting, the limitations of that. Now, um, we don't hear any more about the arrow wound, right? We don't hear any more about the arrow wound. Notice we also don't, um, uh, uh, notice that we also don't hear much about the uh, gold collars, right? That they got from the dwarves. Um, you know, uh, I, maybe he's still wearing his bling, I guess, but that's not what's important here. Um, yeah, yeah, Matt, we will come to that next time, I think. We'll, we'll, we'll do the Rohirrim stuff next time. 
In paragraph one, we do get what seems to me an indication that Tolkien is, I think it's perfectly clear that Tolkien is now is now basically saying, yes, the eagles of the Misty Mountains are the great eagles of Manway. No question, right? Bonus. Bonus. Um, and this was, oh man, remember, some of you will remember the day we talked about this. Um, uh, some of you will remember the day that we talked about this in, um, what's it, the Lost Road discussion in Mythgard Academy? Um, wow, that was like, I remember my mind being blown that day because I never noticed this before. Um, the eagles that pick up Baron and Luthien are Landreval and Meneldor. Like, it, they're the same eagles. The same eagles who pick up Frodo and Sam on Mount Doom, by name, are the same eagles that picked up Baron and Luthien at the gates of Angband when they were coming out with the Silmaril, or, well, without the Silmaril, um, and without Baron's hand. But, um, you know, I, it's... it's um, yeah... Yeah, it's, and no, the eagles don't recycle names. They were the same ones, right? So it's, it is very, very clear to me um, that the great eagles in the Lord of the Rings that Tolkien is is absolutely identifying them. I mean, they are literally the same birds. Um, some of the characters are still around from back then. Now it raises the question: Where's Thorondor? Right? Don't know. He doesn't make an appearance. Right. Um, has he retired? I don't know. Um, you know, was Numenor his last gig? I don't know what happened there. Um, do I think that Gwai here is just a renaming of Thorondor? It's conceivable, Dan. It's conceivable. Um, uh, you know, I don't um, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, Matt points out there's a tradition in Celtic myth of immortal or very, very long lived eagles. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, so no, I mean, I, 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 these are, these are, so again, in that paragraph between the title, The Wind Lord, which, you know, yeah, it's just very eagerly, but it, it, I it, think it clearly invokes Manway, especially when coupled with the, with the phrase, The Great Eagles, capital G, capital E. Um, then, um, so in that paragraph, we get this established, right? He is the Wind Lord, the swiftest. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and think greatest of the great eagles. Um, and uh, But then we have him drawing limits with Gandalf, right? Oh, Gandalf, you have an important mission? Yeah, whatever. Um, you're on your own, man. I, I, I this, this is not my remit. Sorry, dude. Right? I'm, I'm putting you down. I can't carry you to the ends of the earth. What do we look like? A taxi service? Right? Forget about it. Um, that's, that's, that's why here's answer. Right. So it's it's really easy to over um, overlook, overstate. That's what I mean to overstate um, the link between Gwaihir and Gandalf. It's not yet. They don't have it yet. Right. Gwaihir doesn't work for Gandalf. Gwaihir is willing to work with him. Right. Um, 
I mean, I can imagine a brief kind of conversation that happens between them, right? Guai here lands and he's like, hey, is there some kind of crisis? This place is surrounded by orcs. And Gandalf is like, crisis? Yes. <laughs> uh, let me sum up. <laughs> right? Let's go. Um, so, you know, he doesn't mind, right? He doesn't mind. Um, but, um, uh, but he... Um, that is why here doesn't seem to mind helping Gandalf to escape. Uh, but, but yeah, Wolfhound, exactly. They are condescending. He's condescending to do this. He's got stuff to do. He has a job. Okay. And he's willing to work with Radagast. This, I think, reflects well upon Radagast. I really do. I think the, the fact that Gwai here is involved at all, that he came to bring tidings, um, I was sent to bear tidings. I mean, that's a humble statement by Gwai here. Right. He's like, I'm, I'm a messenger here. Right. I agreed to I was sent by somebody else. Radagast sent me to bear tidings, but not burdens. Right. I can't, um, you know, your problem just isn't, isn't, isn't my, oops, <laughs> oops. Uh, your problem is not my, I accidentally, uh, undid it there. Hang on, sir. Um, your problem isn't necessarily my problem, Gandalf. Um, I got things to do. Um, yeah. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, Brandon says, Saruman doesn't even seem to notice that he lives next to the Great Eagles. But of course, as Kurtzimus points out, he also seemed to forget that he lived right next to Treebeard, too. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Overlooking other creatures, you know, who, uh, you know, and focusing too much on himself. Yeah, that does seem to be a pattern there. Um, but, um so, so yeah, what, what's Gwaihir's job, right? You know, why, why is it that he won't? Um, remember, again, this is recalling very, you know, the whole, the business with the bows of you and uh, the sheep stealing and stuff that we were talking about from The Hobbit. It's the same conversation, right? In The Hobbit, we're given a very naturalistic explanation. Why won't they carry them further? Because they don't want to get close to the steadings of the woodmen, because the woodmen will shoot them. You know, and that they're not done with that, right? So they're like, we're not risking our lives for dwarves. Um, we'll put you down here. It's safe from here, and then we're we're gone, right? That's as far as we're willing to go. Um, and uh, uh, anyway, so they um, um, they they have that same conversation, except instead of giving that naturalistic explanation. We will not go any further than this because if we do, the people with bows will shoot us. Um, instead of giving any such kind of explanation, Gwaihir gives no explanation at all. Just simply, <clears throat> no. I, I can bear you many weeks. I'm willing to do that. Right? You're in a tight place. I see that. Um, but, um, uh, but I don't... Um, uh, I can't bear you to the ends of the earth. And even the even the 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 hobbitry in that, even the snarkiness of that statement, um, it suggests he's being kind of playful with Gandalf, right? Um, I, in general, snarky comments like that are a good sign of friendship. Um, but but still, he means it, right? He's not going to carry him to the ends of the earth. Um, so. Uh, It raises the question, what is his business? Um, 
as um, um, let's see who somebody was asking uh, uh, I forget who it was somebody was saying um, why they live nearby why haven't they noticed that there's a bunch of orcs there um, well again he's not been letting them out um, in Rohan um, they're not that close. I mean, it's just the Misty Mountains, but Misty Mountains go on for a long ways. Um, the Eagle's Eyries are pretty far from here. Um, he did have to be sent. You know, he, he didn't just, uh, didn't just see this, but, um, you know, I, um, uh, and yeah, absolutely, Wolfhound. This is clearly Providence again. Um, it's it's a catastrophe. It's a catastrophe for Gandalf. Gwaihir wasn't looking for Gandalf. He didn't he didn't come here expecting to rescue Gandalf. Um, um, it is super tempting to speculate about what Gwaihir's day job is, right? Like, what's his job? What's he supposed to be doing? Um, it's super tempting. Is he reporting back to Manway? Does Manway need his help? And doesn't Manway just have to sit in his seat with Varda beside him and then he can see everywhere? So, like, he doesn't actually need spies? Um, messengers? <laughs> right? His business is to eat, use, and avoid use? Yeah, there you go. That's pretty much it. Um, but, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what his job is. Um, they're the great eagles. They are, in some sense, the emissaries of Manway. But what does that mean? Right? I mean, there's, when I think back to the Legendarium, we only see the eagles act in a, on, on a couple of occasions. Um, and rescuing people, there's precedent for that, right? This is kind of on their uh, resume, rescuing people. Right. I mean, to this point, I mean, not even thinking, not even remembering ahead to Frodo and Sam, but, um, you know, they rescued Baron and Luthien, as I said. They rescued uh, Fingolfin. Well, Fingolfin's corpse, but still kind of rescued Fingolfin. Um, uh, they, um, uh, so, okay, they rescued Fingolfin's corpse. They rescued Baron and Luthien. Um, they rescued Mithros and Fingon, right? So, um uh, getting people out of um, sticky situations is a thing that they do. Um, but um, Gorfindel's corpse as well. Yep, you're right. You're right. Corpse retrieval. So rescuing prisoners or rescuing people who either have been captured or are about to be captured or are trying to get uh, loose, that's on their resume. Corpse retrieval, uh, prominent corpse retrieval. That's on their that's on their resume as well. Um, uh, we have, of course, the Eagles' intervention into the Battle of Five Armies, which is uh, yeah coming in at the end of battles, Kurtzimus, right? Yeah, that's they have two of those on their resume. They've got the Battle of Five Armies, and of course, the end of the War of Wrath uh, with Ankalagon the Black and the other Winged Dragons. So. Uh, aerial combat, but yeah, climactic conclusions to battles, yes, yes. Um, um, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, 
And the battle before the Black Gates. Yeah, no, I was thinking up to this time, Turinbar. But sure, we, we, we will see them carry on doing those two things. That's pretty much it. Right? That's pretty much... Um, uh, that's pretty much the the. I mean, think about it. It's all they've ever done. Intervene dramatically at the end of battles, rescue folks, and corpse retrieval. I think it's. I think it's it. I think it's it. Um. Uh. So um. So yeah. Oh, okay, Brandon. Good point, Numenor. Good point. Well. Yeah. See, the eagles of the lords of the west are upon us. Those were like clouds. I don't think those were literally eagles. Did the literal eagles play a role in Numenor? I think it's possible. I mean, so we might have to put, like, with a sideline in serving as an ominous symbol of doom. Right? Um... They were spiritual eagles, Kurtzimus. You are so. They were definitely spiritual eagles. They might have been literal eagles too, but they were spiritual eagles sent to Numenor. Of that, I think there can be no possible question. Um, uh, yeah. So um, they will announce the victory to the people in Minas Tirith, Zeph, and I think that's actually the weirdest thing the eagles ever do. Um, I can't wait to get there. It's, it, it, it'll be a little while. But when we get there, that's going to be a lot of fun because um, it's, uh, it's that is super uncharacteristic eagle behavior. I mean, do we see that anywhere else? Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, so... Yeah, exactly. The uh, the JJ, the passage you just quoted from the Akalabeth is um, that's where it's clearly the um, a great cloud in the shape of an eagle. Yeah, like this, there, there are clearly spiritual eagles uh, sent to Numenor. Yeah. Okay. Um, so. Yeah, uh, it is time for the field trip. Um, See if you have, but again, I all I will end with is the last thing is we, we don't know. And I'd be careful assuming. I'd be careful assuming. Are they the spies of Manway? Are they keeping lookouts for Manway? We don't know. Are they messengers from Manway? We don't know. I, I that we don't know. Gwai hears marching orders or flying orders or whatever. Um we just we just we just don't know. Um are they Maiar? Yeah. <laughs> I think maybe. I no idea. No idea. Um, no idea. They're flapping orders. That <laughs> sounds that sounds pretty uh undignified, frankly. Um yeah. Um <laughs> but anyhow, okay. Um, so just keep this in mind. We'll see Guayhir again, of course, and we'll we, we'll 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 get more data, both about Guayhir in particular, especially about Guayhir in particular, but also about the Great Eagles in general. Um, and uh, um, yeah, um, uh, yep, yep. Um, 
yeah. So we'll we we will re- we'll have the opportunity to revisit this as we move forward. Next time we will start with. So we didn't quite do two slides, but we did a good slide and a half, like a solid slide and a half there tonight. Um, uh, maybe one point seven five. I'm not sure. I'd go past uh, one point six slides, but anyway, there we go. So we'll come back to. Both the question of the Rohirrim and the tribute to Mordor, and interestingly, the question of Gwaihir's information on this subject. Um, so uh, we'll uh, we'll we'll get there next time. So I'm going to say good night to everybody on Twitter. Thanks for joining me. Um, thanks for your comments there this evening, and uh, we will move to the field trip. So feel free to join us at Twitch.tv/signumu. All right. Good evening, sir. Oop, hit the wrong button there. Oh, no. Got rid of the window instead of maximizing it. Okay, there we go. And if I had a nickel. Yeah. There we go. Hang hang on. Having all kinds of issues here. There we go. All right. right. Move my phone out of the way. Here we are. Okay. All right. And I can now... So we're headed back out to Hultvis. Yep. I can now milestone there. I'm like a boss. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. I think some of our friends over here are falling asleep. <laughs> yeah. Wake up, it's field trip time. Brandon, I agree with you. The Numenorians crying out the eagles are coming and being afraid because they are on the wrong side of the Valar is a really great touch. Yeah, it is, isn't it? I, I love that. <laughs> oh, no, That's the eagles weird. are coming. You know, it's like when when you're terrified, when you're crying out the eagles are coming, um, yeah. like that's when you know you really need to reexamine your life. You know, like if if you've never had anything that led you to suspect that before that time, you know, now's the time to really. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, it's raining and foggy. Uh, It sure is. This is like worst field trip weather possible. Yeah. I guess it could be. You can turn off precipitation effects. It helps. Oh. Well, but it's, you know, maybe it'll be suitably atmospheric. I I will do that if we're trying to see something and, and can't. Otherwise, you know, maybe it'll just be a, a fitting, a fitting oh, wait, atmosphere. I'm in, I'm in Vegbar. Am I supposed to be Holtfus? You're in Vegbar. Where is that? Uh, I think that's the that's the place before. Like, the place Vegbar. that killed us. Before Holtfus. <gasps> really? Yeah, the place with the invisible guards. Oh, right, Vegbar. Yeah. Yeah, with the invisible guards and the attacking bears. That's Ghost a, town. Yeah, that's a that's a. All right, there we go. That's a memorable spot. Didn't remember the name, but I'll never forget that place. <laughs> it made for an awesome right. clip, though. Oh man, that was yeah, fantastic. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it did. All right. It would have been even funnier, except for the fact that for. 
it took me a long time to figure out that something was even wrong because I was so used to being attacked by everything that passed by that I was a little surprised to find myself attacked in the middle of the town, but I've been chased down. I mean, I remember the the doe who chased me all the way down the tunnel of Henneth Anun and attacked me when I was standing next to, like, down at the bottom yeah, <laughs> in the camp. And there's Lorien in the old days. Right, exactly. So, uh, you know, like, it, I, 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 you know, at first I was just like, oh, look, I seem to be, like, bears seem to have followed me into town. How, how strange. And I didn't even notice that... A, they were the guards of the town, and B, there were then like in, invisible wielders of uh, flying axes that were attacking us. But I mean, it's pretty cool visual, though. I mean, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was cool. All right, are we all here? Let's let's take off through the woods. Here we go, and um, so we're gonna head back to the. We're gonna. We're going to go by the excavation again, and we're going to look around uh, to see if we can find. Because we're going to we're going to search around the Gladden Fields now, having having looked at the excavation. We were considering the topography last time and thinking about mm-hmm. how things may or may not have changed uh, since the time of uh, of Isildur, um, and also like how they can justify. Hey, look, there's another town down here. Maybe we should go to this other town. Maybe. It's another stable master, because then we can... Uh, um, yeah, it's kind of nice to not have everything careening out of the landscape, hunting at... Yeah. Hunting us. Um, just the odd warg. Right. Okay, so I'm just looking to see. All right, there's... Uh, Sorry, trying to get my horse in third gear here. Right, yeah, I understand. That's why I'm riding the old-fashioned horse. <laughs> oh, that's a stump. I thought from a, for a second that was a tower down there. It's just a very large stump. Um, <laughs> Is some... that a tower? No, it's a stump. Is that a tower? No, it's a stump. <laughs> there's some very large stumps down there. Like, there were some huge trees down by the huh. river down there. Hi there, dear, who's not even attacking me. <laughs> Don't get cocky, kid. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see. We are, we're getting close now. Um, is this this is where this is where we descended and swam out last time, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, this is the swine place, right, where all the yes. pigs are swimming around. Okay. All right. So. Right, let's get, now, those fires we were looking at were up over here somewhere, weren't they? Weren't we looking across the river at the fires? Or were we looking up to the north? Maybe we were looking up to the north. Well, let's just see this town down here, because if we, if we, can, if we can stable, if we can quick uh, ride down to here, then it'd be, it'd be a little bit simpler than... We wouldn't have to uh, just ride out from Holdfist every time. I love Fords. Sorry, I just really enjoy Fords. I don't know why. Fords and Lotro. Mm. Just think they're cool. 
Okay, so all right, here's the town, or at least the stable master. Yeah. This will give us a more southerly point. But of course, oh man, I might not get to my explorations tonight if we have another town to look at. Blomgard. Okay. Blomgard. Blomgard. We've got... So like, like the flower guard? Huh. Look at this. The statues have the have the good faces backwards. These statues have their bad faces out to us. I mean, like the cruder well, ones. They're, they're warding faces. I guess. Are the other ones the friendly face? The ones with uh, the eyelids and the eyebrows? Nice. Huh. But they've got the sleepy eyes faced out towards us. That's legitimately weird. Okay, and then we've got this old statue. It's to, it's to lull people into a false sense of security, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Okay, all right, Stable Master. She looks unhappy, but she has one of those uh, wooden carvings on her belt. Will you help us? Yeah, she's standing in the rain, you know. She she looks resigned. I think that's the word for it. Resigned. Oh, yeah, well, it is raining. I mean, she's standing out in the rain. It's got to be fairly miserable. Um, yeah. At least this lady's got a hood, right, sensibly. Um, it's, right. it's, a, it's a wrap. It's a hair wrap. Hey, right, there you go. And she's got a she's got one of the rosary versions of the the wooden scope. So these are clearly the same kind of culture. We see yeah. the same sorts of statues. Might as well dismount since it's we're a, here. There's some. There definitely looks like there's some Rohirrim influences. Yeah, and I thought that in the houses up there, like the newer houses. The towers look very Rohirrim, which again, mm -hmm. you know, that's yeah, not saying tower. that much, but still, the houses, yes. I think especially the houses and their architecture. Um, you miss the, you know, the horsey bits. Um, I, I did. But uh, but still, you know, it's... Um, I agree. I agree. Huh, scrap the paper. Yeah. Oh, it's a poem. <laughs> when cold wind wails and fir tree creaks through the gloom of night, he sneaks o'er wooden wall and rooftops thatched, unlocked window gate unlatched. Oh, it's a golem poem. Yeah, sure sounds like it. Wow. He's the regional boogeyman or something. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, you you only have to. Uh... You only have to find one or two cradles to build a substantial amount of regional notoriety, I would think. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that kind of that kind of word gets around. Yeah, no, you you know, like a hundred years from now, their parents are telling their children to be nice, or the the sneaker will eat you up. Absolutely, absolutely. Um. Yeah. I'm not seeing any of the old huts. No, like, commemorative huts here. No, just... We're still getting a lot of the old statues. Very functional, but very old. Yeah. Houses, animal pens, houses that are also animal pens. Yeah. I mean, I still want to say that the green... You know, this sort of green lichen um, 
And by the way, like this brooch that could pass for a breastplate as what could double as a breastplate, you know, you have to kind of admire the dedication of concept there. I mean, it's uh, Uh it's like it is both securing my my, you know, my cloak and also, you know, protecting half of my vitals. That's probably also worth some money, too, in case of emergencies. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, probably. I mean, probably that much metal. Well, if this, if the, if the houses weren't evidence to the contrary, I'd say the big metal dealies on them are very similar to what we saw on Vikings from Denmark who carried their treasures with them. Right. Right. Yeah. I find it interesting that half of these pillars have faces on only one side. They're not two faced. Like the ones in uh, Oh, we don't have the yeah. uh, the Janus carvings here. Yeah, no. well, in in a lot of places we do, but not so. Like this one is, this one is a sleepy eyes one. Yeah, they got a lot of these have their eyes shut. I mean, not well, this guy. Oh, which and is here's weird, like the this great place is called here. the Guard, the Blum Guard. Yeah. Which makes you think they'd be for like watching or something. Oh, this one's got a funny face. I like this one. He's like a garden gnome. Yeah, this is the one. This is the face that was turned against the wall outside, uh, on the, right by the outer gate. It's the same yeah, I one. I can't say this one looks any more vigilant than the other one. No, I mean, this is the one who looks vaguely hungover, I think, is the one is what I was saying before. <laughs> like, it's the he's pouchy the eyes that really make him, you know, look, uh, yeah, yeah. look like he's coming off a bender, you know, and uh, st- still forced to... Forced, um, uh, like Billy is guard. God of Hangovers kind of thing. <laughs> right, right. Um, but then yeah, his partner over here is both one-sided, right? Yes, carvings on the back, no face, and got his eyes closed. I mean, I think the hungover dude is he the only one with his eyes open in the whole town? I mean, I've seen him in more than one place, but they really go for the closed eyes folks around here. Blomgard, yeah, they're not guarding them, but if it's blooms, flowers, they're not guarding them. That's flower, yeah, be flower, like, you know, Bloman Fountain. Yeah, yeah, they're not, they're not, they're not guarding the flowers very well. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I remember there were some one-faced statues in Holdfist. They were in the minority, but there were a couple of those. Uh, we'll go up the stairs in a second. I just wanted to look around the rest of the... So, uh, Emily, by the commemorative huts, what I mean is uh, in, right in the center of Holtvis, next to the um, um, milestone, um, right in the like the town green there in the middle, um, are those old ancient round stone huts? No, wait, is this one over here? Hang on. No, I don't think so. That's like thatched and... That looks like a grain silo. Well, no, this is oh, see, like the roof. There's, there's the that slanty thing there. It does look, and they may still be used as a grain silo, but this oh, is. Oh, it's a smoker hut. It's a smoker. The smoker. Yeah. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. That's your chimney. It's got the smoke going constantly. You'd hang your meat in there. Maybe this doesn't look though. The other one looked more different from the houses. Hey, wait, that's what's different. These are stone there's houses. The well, there's that too. I mean, not all of them. There are some wooden houses too, but the, the, these are the other houses were in Holtvis were mostly wood houses. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, this that, is definitely piled on. I want to say slate. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's I mean, some thin. of the like the smaller sheds are wood, but a lot of the houses. This is a little wood house, but that's a, I don't remember so many stone houses. Yeah, it really uh, does remind me of a nomadic people that have decided to settle down. Mm-hmm. Anyway, sorry. Now I've been going around in circles so much I forget. Where's the? Uh, Something direct me to the Up. stairs. Where where were they? Yeah, past the garden now. Okay. Um, uh, over there. There they are. Okay. Sorry. There we are. Now, yeah, I'm just going around in cir- circles looking at the buildings, I lost all yeah, sense of direction. Of, lots here. of stone edifices here. Okay. So we're going up the steps. There's another guy with well, his these, eyes closed. These are stone steps here. These took some time. Yeah. Who are these folks? Odehild. And every Oh, Radagast. Radagast is... Oh, look, there he is. It's Radagast. What do you know? A guest yeah. appearance. Right after his curtain bow. Yeah. Thanks for thinking of me. <laughs> I don't think he sounds like Goofy, but I just could, it's, it's top of my head. What do you want? The stone stairs are obviously new because they're hardly worn. They're not worn at all. Right. Yeah, yeah I was. I was noticing yeah. that. So I'm looking at Radagast's belt buckle. Oh yeah. I can't think it's just red. I couldn't tell if there was a design on it, but I don't think there is. No, but there's definitely a design on his belt itself. There's these viney patterns. Oh yeah, the green one. Yeah, the little sash thing. Uh huh. Yeah. I love how patched up his hat is. Everything else actually looks pretty neat, but his hat is like, I've, you know, he's had this hat for a while and he's not letting go of it. Yeah, yeah. And then, like, cheek flaps, you know, that's, uh, I'm not going to lie, I, I, I kind of want a hat like that, actually. Kinda yeah, seems like handy a, this winter. Kind of seems like a fun hat. Um, it makes you, th- yeah, it makes you think he lives in a place where uh, there's a lot of high winds. Yeah. Or you know, it'd probably be good for riding on eagles. I bet you put it. Oh. On, I bet if you get up or on an eagle, other. you can strap it under your chin. You know. Yeah. Oh, it's like a it's like a little pilot's helmet with the straps under. He's only yeah. missing his goggles. He's only he? missing the goggles. Exactly. <laughs> that's, that's so cute. Exactly. Yeah. It, it's exactly. It's an aviator cap. Um, yeah. It's an aviator cap. No, I dig it. I dig it. Altered. You know, not exactly the same. What I don't get is the crown of it, which looks like it's made of an entirely different fabric. Like, it's just got a, this different dome up here on the top. Oh, on... on Radagast hat. On the hat. On, on Radagast hat. Uh, it looks like he's... It looks like the, there's leather on the outside, and then he has, like, a soft, floppy crown that goes on top. Yeah. It's highly personalized. Highly personalized. Okay. Um, Just because you can make your own clothes doesn't mean you should. <laughs> right. Okay, anyway, b- back to, uh, sorry, Odehild and um, Everick. That was rude. I came up and then, like, but there is a celebrity standing right over there. So. Uh, yeah, sorry, there's a precedence of place. Yeah, so exactly. Okay, so, oh, she's got the little closed eye face dude, and so does he, right at the, right at the nape, right? Or not the nape, right at the, right at the throats. Right? Yeah. The others have them hanging down in their belts generally, but shes they've both got them very prominently right there up on their breast. Um, it must be like the, the deity or Nyssa or something or whatever that protects this village. Something. I mean, both of them 
er, almost everybody in both villages had it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Almost everybody in both villages had it. Um, their belt buckles are interesting. Uh, very mm-hmm. similar in style. They both got these big fat belts that are furry on the inside, right? Um, mm-hmm. And riveted <laughs> around. Um, but then they and they have these the the big old round buckles with the dangly yeah, big, bits. Big Mildenhall treasure plate. Yeah. Belt there. Um, but they're different designs, right? Yeah, this one looks kind of like a like an octopus over here. Yeah, it's on, it's um, it's it's, it's almost like a rose window. Yeah. Right, and then his is cruciform. Or, or, or just, yeah, it's it's definitely Celtic knotwork kind of looking. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I can't imagine the accuracy you'd need to have something with twelve arms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his is yeah definitely two intertwined big guys on the axis and then little bits of knot work to fill out the corner to each uh, quarter. Yeah. Now, Tomas is saying, I wonder if these people speak Anglo-Saxon like the Rohirrim. No, I think Gothic. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, Odahil yeah. is uh, kind of a giveaway um, uh, there. I think these are Gothic-derived names. Um you know, we're doing a, an introduction to Gothic class at Signum this spring. Ooh. It's a brand new class that we're doing. We've never done it before. People are excited. People have been demanding. You know, we've done Anglo-Saxon. We've done Old Norse. They're like, Gothic! Yep. We want to learn Gothic! So we're doing a Gothic Fun. class. Yeah, it's going to be cool. Uh-huh. Uh, um, of course, we've also we've done our Gothic tradition class, but like there are Goths and then there are Goths, you know, like that's a different kind yeah, of Goth. Um, well, we're... we're- Getting into you know the Christmas holidays, be, this would be a fun time to look up some really old Germanic mm-hmm. ways to celebrate. Mm-hmm. It's short of setting villages on fire, right? Not a recommended celebration. Um, yeah. Notice he's got a bit of a almost like a tartan thing going on with that sort of scarf business that's hanging. That's not yeah. exactly a tartan band. She's got it too in the brown and green. Um, yeah, it looks looks for the Celtic or Gallic mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. on it. I'm kind of disappointed they don't have trousers that match that, yeah. Right, right, yeah. I think they do have, well, maybe like leggings or something under there. Um, Could be, yeah. No, I, I was kind of hoping for the big pouchy gall pants that we've seen. Yeah, yeah. Um, Looks cool, though. Yeah, and as for the house, it's got, ooh, is that a window in the upstairs? It is. Oh, the other yeah. one had like a widow's walk up on the top, that's, and that's that's actually a little shutter, room. I think. Yeah, a shutter. Maybe it is a shutter. It looks like a wooden shutter. Okay, so the, to, it is a window. It is a window. It's a shuttered window. Right, but probably like to let out smoke or something like that. Or to just look out of in the morning. Well, that's what I'm wondering. That, oh, we can't something. go in, darn it. Um, I see. I, I, I don't know. I I think it's that's probably. I would guess there's a fire in there. I mean, there is a, a chimney over on the side. Mm-hmm. Maybe two chimneys. Yeah. So maybe, maybe there is an upstairs. Yeah. Maybe it's just something you open in summertime. Yeah. Not today, though. Could be. Boy, it looks no. miserable here. But, oh, by the way, did you have a chance to look at the new Rohirrim houses they got? Nope. 
Those are pretty fun. Huh. Look at this over here. They built a new addition. Come around this side. Oh, right. Let me see. Look at how... Look at the like this non... This is the only building without lichen on it in the whole town. Oh, yeah. This is relatively new wood. This is totally new. It's got shingles on top. Yeah, exactly. Slate shingles instead oh. of the thatch. The beams... Built an indoor around house. The, around the... Yeah, I mean, they, maybe they... Exactly. They needed a... They, they needed a little... Uh, a little, a little modernization right in their facilities or something, you know, built or, a little extension. Or their oldest boy still can't get a job in this economy. Right. Yeah, it could be a, could be a, uh, could be an in-laws apartment, I suppose. Um, oh, but, there's another, there's another shuttered window right next to it, up above. Yeah, it's almost like a barn door, like that's where you'd like bring in bales of hay or something. Oh, right. Yeah, up there on the, with those beams yeah. sticking out. And there's a pulley, Although yeah, I just like just like beams. a, just like uh, hay, a hay oh, window. Oh yeah, it is a pulley. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I guess it is a hay window then. It could be a sauna, Nancy. That would be culturally appropriate. I like this little oh, hatch. Nothing, is this like a root no, cellar down here? Maybe there's nothing. Oh yeah, definitely a root cellar. There's there's nothing indicate a chimney on top though if it was a sauna. Oh, right up the little but, building, yeah. Yeah, that's another thing you'd need good ventilation on. Yeah, nice oh, windows. Maybe it's, maybe it's the wrong time of year. Nicer windows. Are there any glazed windows in the in the old house? In the front? Mm. What an odd... There are? Okay, I couldn't remember. What an odd little... Yeah, oh, yeah, there's... Yeah. It's that economical glazed window where it's, uh, we couldn't be bothered to make big old sheets of glass, so we're just doing little pebbles with bits of letting in between. Yeah, well, you know, that's that's already asking a lot. Oh, man, why can't I get all the way up there? There we go. I've got to come onto the side roof. Oh, well. Oh, you, you got to get, come over the get side, from over here? Yeah, yeah. Oh, well. I can't get all the way up. That's fine. Bah. I'm not gonna. This is why I don't climb towers in Dunland. I just don't, and it's <laughs> not why gonna I don't happen. play platformers. This is also why I don't walk tight ropes with Grabine flying around. I won't do it. <laughs> yeah, no, I refuse in principle. I won't do it for love or money. Um, okay, I would do it for money. Uh, <laughs> not gonna lie, but uh, uh, no. maybe that could be your next Signum fundraiser. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, oh, I love how you can actually see where they, like, connected the roofs, right? The new roof and the old roof. Oh, yeah! From here. And the lichen has yeah, started like, to grow over. You can, yeah, it looks like they needed a patch because something didn't quite take or fell in. Yeah, yeah. That's clever. That is very interesting. What a fascinating little detail for them to put in on this building. yeah appreciate stuff like that. And yes, there is the window in the front. Yeah, I wonder if the entryway is a little bit newer, too. No, maybe not. I mean, it's got the lichen, at least, all over the beams. 
Yeah, I, I mean the the wood planks in the front are like underneath the underneath are a little newer. That just might be simply be because the all the water went down the roof instead of on the planks themselves. Right. Yeah, it makes me wonder if we're gonna if we're gonna find anything over here. It seems they have a lot of these little rooms just sort of jutting out from the main room. Mm-hmm. Maybe they are family additions. Oh, another addition. Look at these planks. I can't. Brand new again. I'm stuck here. And the roof. Yeah, they're expanding both. I, th I think they're... At this point, they're just going to have to start building on top. Yeah. There's a little more room in the back, if you don't mind losing the last strip of yard. But given that you've got the big, uh, over here you've got... That chieftain's going, I don't want to mow it anyway. Right, exactly. And you've got to think this looks like, you know, an ancestral home. Um, the other thing is, maybe these rooms become unusable so that it's just easier to build new ones rather than fix them. <laughs> well, yeah. 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 I mean, this is going to be an old... I mean, this is likely to be one of the older buildings in town. And uh, it's not like you can just move out and upgrade, you know? Yeah. You just know it smells like mushrooms on the inside. Yeah. And it goes with the office, surely. Will they have a gate in the back of the town, JJ? Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Okay, so very similar to Holdvis, and yet some interesting differences. Um, Radagast visiting. That's very nice. Um, okay. Ooh, nice clay oven. And what's this? Oh, right. Blomgard. Right. Okay. Okay. Um... Is Lyrlad a place where we can go? Let me see. Lay well, it's getting late anyway. Okay, well, well, we'll resume our search of the Gladden Fields next time, but now we can go to Holtfist and then uh, swift travel down to here and just take off straight across the river. I think that'll yep. be that'll be better. Okay, good. Well, all right, so we didn't get to our objective, but our search was not in vain. We found another cool town. Yep. Uh, and uh, we're able to draw some shrewd conclusions about the recent family situation of the ruler <laughs> of this town. So, you know, there you go. There you go. So, uh, Lyrlad is the place where we are, right? That's the kind of the name of the region for this. Okay. All right. Uh-huh. Fine. Oh, wait, wait, there's a milestone here? Of course there is. Yeah, oh, yeah let's just yeah. do that. I, I, I just grabbed it real quick. Yeah, I think I'm going to do that. Yep. Let's, I'll replace my Hultvis one. Because I can always get back to Hultvis from here if we want to. There we go. Yep. Excellent. So we'll just milestone straight down to here, and then this is this will be more convenient both for the Gladden Fields and then up to Roscobo. Mm -hmm. um, we'll want to go down to the Duskin Vale, I suppose, to be thorough. Wow, there's a lot more here than I thought there was. Yeah, I'm really is, impressed. It's a lot of stuff. And then we'll head up to yeah. uh, the Carrick and the Bjorning Lands. Uh, and then uh, we'll see where we want to, we'll see where that brings us and where we want to go from there.
Okay, cool. Awesome. Well, thanks for helping me find another little town, and uh, good to see the, uh, you know, so now after we've seen these two, I'll have to go back to that town where we got attacked by the levitating axes uh, and actually explore <laughs> it a little bit rather than now running for our lives. Um, but, um, or just being slaughtered, which is what I did, um, quite promptly. Um, so, uh, so we'll explore that a little bit more thoroughly another time. Um, but, um, yeah, cool. So, uh, good to, uh, discover some fun things from around here. All right. Thank you everybody for joining us and we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining me on this epic exploration of The Lord of the Rings and of Standing Stone's video adaptation of Tolkien's story. If you are having even half the fun I'm having on this journey, I hope you will consider supporting the project by donating at signumuniversity.org fund.